Real show, here we go. Real show, here we go. You know that it's gotta be that time, so this is what we chant. What keeps on getting them all amped in advance? Come on. You and I rocking out with Iron Man, F.E. You get the general's point of view on top of Roger's rants. Whenever it's happening out, we're putting the most minutes in you. Already know what that's about, you know that win is win. Crush whatever's on task, check the podcast. It's the champ and the tramp, let the ball blast. So without further ado, we just had some technical difficulties, but we got our man Greg Anderson on. He's a former uh, former Port of Seattle police officer. Uh, May 7th of 2020, I believe it was, Greg went viral. He did a video in his police cruiser. You know, as a police officer, I'm compelled to make this video. I've been in law enforcement for 10 years, and I'm speaking to my peers, other fellow officers, people in any kind of law enforcement position. Um, I've seen officers nationwide enforcing tyrannical orders against the people, and I'm hoping I'm hoping it's the minority of officers, but I'm not sure anymore because every time I turn on the television, every time I turn I look to the internet, I'm seeing people arrested or cited for going to church, for traveling on the roadways, for going surfing, opening their businesses. And uh, it definitely went viral, and I'm not going to even attempt to try to explain it. I'm going to go ahead and let Greg explain it himself and exactly what went down and how he was launched into infamy from that point on. Yeah, cool, man. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is yeah, this man, is thank fun. you. Know, we've been talking about this since since Ian's event, what, over a year ago or yeah, something? Yep. Yeah. And so this is cool, man. Uh yeah, it was May 5th of 2020, and it was, uh, I mean, everybody knows all the bullshit that was going on nationwide. Everybody was getting fed up with it, and uh, I know you guys were getting hammered in New Jersey, and one thing that we saw inside of the profession nationwide was everybody that wore the uniform didn't support what was happening, but rather than standing up and, and taking a stand against it, everybody was just trying, kind of going along to get along. And it's like, man, if, if the police aren't willing to stand up against things that we feel is like morally and, and ethically incorrect, who else is gonna, you know? That's right. And uh, I mean, bro, we saw like women getting arrested at parks, women getting arrested for doing nails in their salons and that kind of stuff. And uh, dude, the final straw for me was there was some young ladies in Texas that got arrested by undercover agents going in under the guise of having their nails done. And I was like, you know what, dude, this is not what the profession is about. We're supposed to be out there getting fucking bad guys, not trying to get girls that are doing nails or uh, that guy in Malibu that was out surfing. I mean, I'm sure you guys yeah. remember that. And so, yeah, man, I just made a video. I was on patrol and it wasn't anything planned or, or something that I even really thought about. I was just like, man, this message needs to get out from one police officer to another talking to the profession while in uniform, just because I thought that was necessary to speak to my peers. And, uh, you know, I was just saying, this isn't what we do. This isn't what the profession's about. We serve the citizens. We don't serve these corrupt governors and these corrupt mayors that have weaseled their way into power nationwide. That's not who we work for. We work for the American citizens and we uphold the constitution. 
And the crazy thing is, man, nothing I'm saying right now is like an abstract idea. Like police officers are supposed to defend people's liberties and their freedoms. That's the whole point of the profession. But as soon as you stood up against the political elite, man, they came after me and tried to squish me like a bug. And the funny thing is, is because they fired me for that, that's actually what made the story go super viral, you know? Yeah, exactly. Can you can you walk us through that a little bit, Greg? I mean, I think most most of our uh, viewers probably know the story. But uh, so essentially you made that video, which was a calling on your peers, your fellow Leo's to do the right thing. You know, basically that, you know, uh, mandates aren't law, essentially. And you guys are law enforcement. I mean, correct me if I say anything you know, wrong here. And it was just basically a call to your fellow officers to do the right thing and, and with, you know, uphold the constitution, uphold your oath. And I believe, uh, you know, I, I understand the, if I understand the story correctly, your superiors supported it at first. And it was just, it got so much traction so quickly in a matter of a few hours, it went from support to not support. Right. Yeah, bro. hundred percent. I got a call or I got a text message actually that morning from my commander and he, my commander followed me on Instagram, you know, like police officers being on social media is not out of the ordinary anymore. Everybody's on the internet. And he's like, Hey, Greg, I just saw your video. Excellent message. And we stand behind you a hundred percent. And dude, that's the highest ranking guy in patrol. And then literally a few hours later, he called me and he's like, Hey man, uh, I, I know we, I reached out earlier, but I was just told it's, I need to inform you. It's time to pull the plug on this thing and you got to take the video down. And I was like, dude, a couple hours ago, you supported it, but now it's a problem. Like what's going on? And he goes, Greg, this is above my pay grade, man. And uh, I've been directed to tell you it has to come down. It's just getting too big. And then this is what he said, bro. That was kind of like, to me, it's just gross. He goes, it's already on Twitter. It's already on YouTube. You didn't put it up on those platforms. So we can't pull it off the internet. It's already there to stay. He goes, but if you pull it down from your specific Instagram, you're showing that you're being compliant to the orders that we're giving you. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I said, if you listen to what I said in the video, I said that our paycheck doesn't supersede our citizens rights and if losing your job is what ends up happening because that's what it, that's what happens if you stand up for the right thing if that's a byproduct of upholding your oath then so be it and i was like how can i say those words that all of my family and friends heard me say and then as soon as you guys push back a little bit i have to rescind my words i was like i'll lose the respect of everybody that's important in my life i said so this is where we're at if you want to fire me for simply saying that it is our oath to uphold and defend the constitution, then go ahead and do it. And uh, they went ahead and did it, man. Mm. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, the fact that I was terminated for that, that is really what changed the trajectory of my entire life, man. And I'm sure we'll get into all that, but uh, it ended up just being a blessing in disguise, man, for sure. Yeah. Obviously we both follow you on Instagram and, uh, I think the, there was a, a pivotal point there where you, it took a lot of balls to put that video out because you had to know that you were going to take some flack from your fellow officers. Although I'm sure there's, you know, a tremendous amount that supported you. Of course, there were some that were probably going to give you a little grief. So that took some balls just to do that because it wasn't really anybody doing it at that time in, you know, in an authoritative uh, position in the in a, in, in, in uniform. So that took some balls. But 
the point where they said, take it down or you're going to get fired. That was a pivotal moment for the rest of your life. You're, you're, you're a dad of three children, right? You're married. Yep. You know, it's not like you didn't need a paycheck, right? I mean, you need the, and 100%. I think most people, most, I'm not sure what I would have done. You know, I like to think I'm a Greg Anderson, but none of us do. <laughs> none of us know yeah. until we're put in that position, you know? Right. And that was a pivotal moment where, you know, your life significantly changed. You didn't know how you're going to put food on the table. I mean, I, I'd like to think that it worked out well for you, but at that point in time, and I'm sure some, some, you know, some time after that, things were very, very uncertain. For sure, man. You know, I was actually, me and my wife were in the, the Starbucks drive-thru getting coffees when the second call came through. Cause it was the next day I was, I was off shift. Right. And, uh, when he told me that he goes, Hey, if you don't take the video down, we're going to move forward with termination and it's for insubordination. That's what they gigged me on because they were giving me an order. And I said, no. And, uh, you know, my wife looked over at me and I said, Hey, I mean, you know who you're married to. This isn't an option for me. I'll figure out a way to make our lives work and, and I'll be able to provide for our family. But just my own, my own integrity and my own, my own morals. There's no way that I can continue to work for not only like, did I stand behind the message, but I mean, police work can be inherently difficult and dangerous and to work for a, a command staff that said they have my back and then just crumbled inside of a moment's notice right. for me, that was kind of, that was the writing on the wall. And, and here's the thing, man, like, I did 10 years in special operations. I did 14 combat deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. When I was young, I went through a lot of shit. And uh, the one thing that that taught me is it's like, dude, you ha if you have the mindset to succeed and you have resilience and you have self-belief, it's like, that's really what sets you free. And I wasn't about to let uh, uh, a mediocre paycheck, because let's be honest, police officers, that's not the best living in the world, right? That's not why most cops do the job. And if they thought they were going to be able to hold that paycheck over my head to hold me hostage, I was like, there's not, there's a 0% chance of that happening. And uh, man, it's been such a good lesson for me because taking that leap of faith and stepping outside of my comfort zone, man, my jujitsu academy, has grown by 600% since wow. that day. You know? That's great, man. That's great. I mean, dude, I got, um, we have 185 students now. We're actually expanding the, the facility by 3,000 square feet. And then I started a podcast too, because once that video went viral, all kinds of people started hitting me up. Hey, do my show. Hey, do my show. Yep. And uh, I did cleared hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, and, and this has been one of the biggest tools for just meeting people and networking and building relationships. And uh, I did Andy Stump's show, Cleared Hot, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with or not. And uh, that went super, super big, man. And a lot of people were like, dude, you should do your own podcast. You should do your own podcast. And I heard that message enough that I just... I went to the guitar center and, and bought a podcast kit and just yeah. doing it out of my bedroom. We got ours off Amazon. <laughs> yeah, bro. And it's fucking blown up, man. My podcast is doing awesome. And I never right thought here. that the, the podcast world would be even something that I would dabble in. And now my podcast is providing more for my family than I made as a police officer. So I listened to awesome. I listened to a couple of your episodes today. It's called uh, Endless Endeavor, correct? If anybody wants yeah. to check it out. Yeah, yeah great, correct. great name. And, um, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. The endless endeavor, the whole thought process behind that is like, 
man, you don't know what tomorrow holds and let's just try and be the best version of ourselves today. Yeah. And, you know, I did a lot of different things in the military and in law enforcement and jujitsu. And you just have to accept that, like, dude, life is this crazy journey. And once once you kind of embrace the ride, I think that's what sets you free, man. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. I think uh, in the end, Greg, what they actually got you on, right? Like they they let the insubordination thing go. They said you violated their social media um, policy, correct? Isn't that what they actually ended up? So that is why they said they had, because an agency doesn't have the ability to tell you what you can put on online, right? right. We're still free people to do what we want. But yeah, that was that was actually going to be my my next question. Had you done that video at your home, not yes. in uniform, would it have ever been an issue? That's what they told me. They said if you would have yep. just waited till you went home and did it in a in a, a hoodie and not done it in uniform, right. this would have been a non-issue. But it but wouldn't have it wouldn't have had the impact. Hundred percent. Right. No. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit about some guy standing in his right. backyard. You know, it wouldn't have had the impact. And so they said, because I was in uniform, that gave them the legal right to tell me to take it off. And since I said no, that's where the termination happened. Understood. But, bro, here's the crazy thing, man. Two weeks later, George Floyd happened and the profession went to absolute shit, man. And I mean, I'm in Seattle, like and we have a very, very liberal governor in a very, very liberal mayor that didn't stand up for the police, didn't support the police. And uh, and then fast forward, the vaccine mandate came down. Like there are so many things that would have led to my termination anyways, that uh, the timing was pretty crazy. It, it all ended up being a blessing in disguise. It got out of way. It got out of way in the first part, right? Exactly. I mean, you know man. what, though? You're, just, you're, you're a man of principle, though, uh, obviously. And, there's not that a lot of that going on right now, it, sure. it, especially in today's world. I mean, and 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 I don't blame some people. I mean, some people they don't got the balls to say fuck it. I'm gonna figure out a way, and and I, you kind of almost can't blame them because shit, this shit's hard, man. You know, bro, hundred percent. And that's why, like, I got hit up by lots of cops that are like, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I wish I had the the balls to stand up and and stick it to the man. And that's actually become one of the big kind of the big messages of my show because a lot of military members and a lot of law enforcement people that becomes their identity Mm. and that becomes who they are and man you got it you got to believe that you're bigger than that and then you also have to believe that dude this is a moment of our life and at any time you can move on to something different you can do bigger and better things you can learn a new career you can start a new trade and uh the reason why I think it resonates with cops so much is because most cops that I know, and by most, I'm talking like 95%, after they hit the about the 10-year mark, they're literally counting the days until retirement. Yeah. And you got you got cops that are like, man, 12 more years and I'll be able to buy my RV and hit the road. And it's like, bro, that's 12 years of your life you're wishing yeah. away. Mm. Like, you can't look at life like that. This is our one shot, you know? And so it's become a pretty powerful platform to kind of, to kind of help people grow and help people step outside of their comfort zone because bro, that, I mean, that's what we need in this country. So yeah. many people are just living a life of comfort, but they're becoming soft and they're becoming weak. And depending on how far down the, the tinfoil hat hole you want to go, man, it feels like it's by fucking design. It you does. know, mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, you were talking about, you know, fellow police officers wanting to stand up, not being, you know, some of them not daring to because they don't lose the payday. We see that a lot with, uh, you know, Frankie and I obviously have young children. They're in school. We're friends with a lot of teachers in the area, like minded individuals, and they're scared to death to stand up against the teachers union. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah. crazy times we're living in. You know, I feel like three hundred and. 50 million people are controlled by a couple hundred. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what it feels like. That's exactly what's going on. Because when you talk to these cops behind closed doors, when you talk to these teachers, when you talk to these, these healthcare providers, the overwhelming majority share our views. And I'm not even saying like I'm right and they're wrong, but I'm saying, I think, I think most people agree, like let us have personal choice in all of these things. Right. You know, and they're yeah. trying to take that from us and people are fed up on a, on a massive, massive scale. But I just don't know if people are willing to rock the boat enough to affect change, you know? Yeah. And, and Frankie, like you said, man, like when you start threatening people's livelihoods, that does come with a lot of fear and a lot mm-hmm. of uncertainty. And uh, you know, like you said, you can't knock people for, for being unwilling to put themselves in a position where that may become compromised. Like I know a lot of people personally that are like, Greg, I took the vaccine because I have mouths to feed and I'm literally, I'm afraid of it. And I think it was a bad idea, but if I have to risk my own health to keep my kids safe and my kids healthy, that's a, that's a calculated risk that I was willing to take. We know people like that as well. And and shame has horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. And we're seeing more and more health ramifications you know what I'm saying? Like, I just saw. I just saw the other day. Supposedly, there's a list now where the number of deaths from vac from va- uh, people that are vaccinated outnumber their deaths outnumber the people that are unvaccinated at this point in time, and that's that's scary. Yeah. You know. You know, and we had the fucking president of the United States standing up on national television saying this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated yep. and yeah. a winter of Vision. death is coming. I know. We're run by hate yeah. by a couple hundred people. It's crazy. That's exactly right. Fear. Hate because, and fear. Bro, you know, dude, vaccines have been a thing our entire lives have. And some people chose to do it and some people didn't. Right. And, uh, you know, like my kids don't have all of their vaccines. And when they went into school, they just got waivers and it was nobody cared right. who was vaccinated and who wasn't. Right. And it's crazy how fast people fall for this propaganda to just hate each other. And it's well, you like, know, I mean, if anything, this, uh, this pandemic definitely opened a lot of people's eyes about vaccines. And I mean, I think, you know, when we were kids, we took fuck 14 vaccines. Now they want to give yeah. 72 to these kids. Yeah. It's, un- it's unreal. You know, it just doesn't make sense. It's not the actual, I looked into that cause I made that statement one time and somebody corrected me it's not actual a great number of additional vaccines although there are some it's the boosters well whatever it's like 72 it's the actual injections there's like 72 or something like that you know as opposed to 14 right it's a big total right exactly huge difference yeah it's crazy um and the thing is we're i mean we're seeing now and you know, 24 months ago, we were crazy conspiracy theorists. <laughs> yeah, but bro, yeah. You got you got companies like Pfizer making billions with a B. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. record profits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime there's massive exchange of wealth, man, there's corruption attached to it. There's no other way. 
And if you think the politicians aren't getting kickbacks and massive donations for their reelection campaigns, like all these people are in bed together and we fucking know it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the craziest thing is they're the weakest members of society. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, they would be the last people to ever go fight a war on foreign soil or, you know, and it's, it's sad because they, I don't know how you feel. You, I didn't serve, but how do you feel? Do you feel like if you had to do it over again, you'd go over to Iraq based on what you know now, you know, like weapons of mass destruction and all that. I'll tell you this on, on a micro scale, just me and my team out fighting in the streets of Iraq. And this sounds kind of weird, but until you've been there and I mean, Frankie can probably kind of understand this being a fighter your whole fucking life. There's something fun and exciting about being in combat. Right. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't trade those years of my life for anything. Cause it taught me so much about myself and, and resilience and just mental toughness and fortitude, all the things that come from a decade of combat. But at the time, man, I thought I was like team America, you know, we're going around the world and we're saving everybody, but that's what happens when you manipulate 22 year olds into going and doing your dirty work. Yeah. Let's be honest. There's no reason that any of us should have been in Iraq. And that's mm. the truth. And yeah. everybody that I served with holds a similar belief. Uh, you know, Afghanistan, that's a little different story because there was, there were reasons why we went there to get rid of Al Qaeda and because they had, they played a role in the terrorist attacks and and whatever. And that's neither here nor there because I mean, that's debatable at this point as well. What is true and what is bullshit, but the fact that we just squandered it and we just left in the manner that we did, man, it just really lets you know that these people that are calling the shots, They're not doing this for anybody's freedom. They're not doing this for anybody's well-being. You think the fucking government of the United States wants to see the people of Iraq prosper? Get the fuck out of here, (laughs) you know? And and, and the biggest thing that really opened my eyes to kind of having not necessarily regret, but looking back on all of my deployments and all the warfare and just kind of shaking my head at it, if you if you remember the footage of January 6th, right, where there's people just walking into the Capitol, they had their phones out. They were taking pictures. Mm-hmm. Nobody had guns. Nobody was fucking people up or killing. They stayed people. inside the velvet ropes. <laughs> yeah, 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 bro. And do you remember the footage of members of Congress like crawling under chairs and trembling in fear? And I just thought, man, these are the men and women that are sending our sons and daughters right. Right. to the other side of the planet to That's fight right. to the death yeah. with other people. And they don't have the courage to face a group of people walking around, taking pictures. Mm-hmm. And it just made me realize how backwards our system is. Oh, yeah. you have the, the most fearful, incapable members of our society telling our, our youngest I mean, the, the men and women in the military, there's so many great people that have, that have, chose to serve for their different reasons. And they're some of the best people that our country has to offer. And they'll just send them to to be slaughtered while they're too fearful to address somebody walking into the Capitol. Hmm. And it just made me realize how backwards our system is. And to tell you the truth, man, like I have three daughters, they're biologically mine, but I'm also, I've also raised some family friends that I consider my own children. And and the boys are, are 18 and 20 now. And, I tell both of them, 
I wouldn't go in the military in today's world. You know, I, some of, they were entertaining that and we went back and forth and we met with recruiters and stuff. And at the end of the day, we decided against it because they told them they had to get vaccinated. But regardless of the vaccination, I just don't think it makes sense to, to literally risk your life for this government's forbidding this government's jobs, you know? Yeah. That's a problem they're seeing now in the military, right? They, they, they're having a hard time just getting, getting guys to, to join or of especially course. special forces, right? Yeah. Yeah. The special operations community is hurting right now because the special operations community, contrary to what's kind of like portrayed in the movies, the special operations community isn't just a bunch of knuckle draggers. Like they want thinkers on the battlefield mm-hmm. and they actually have a GT score requirement to get into SOCOM. And so they want people that are thinkers and problem solvers. So you take a, a high physical fitness standard and a, a, a high amount of intelligence to get into these units. People that that hold those capacities, they're kind of fed up with all the bullshit right now because right, they right. see this for what it is, you know? Yeah. Roger can never be one of those. Guys. <laughs> oh, no, I would never, <laughs> never meet either one of those standards. Um, you know, back to, to January 6th, just for a moment. I mean, regardless of how people feel about it, obviously it's highly, con- you know, contented, uh, contentious topic. But, uh, you know, those people that were, were prosecuted, they really didn't get a, you know, we're, you're, you're talking about our Constitution and, and our rights. They really yeah. didn't have due process. And they were not given a speedy trial at all. How is Bro. how has nothing ever come of that? A lot of those Bro. people sat in jail for over a year some without are, a trial. Some of them are still in jail. Yeah, yeah. that's a shocking thing. And yeah. the, the like Fifth Amendment of the Constitution assures you the right to a speedy public trial right. and due process, just like you said. And uh, they have some loophole where if it's like a, an insurrection or it's a terrorist attack that you're no longer afforded constitutional rights because you're like an enemy of the state or some bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of the stuff started with the Patriot Act where we're like, right. Hey, right. we got to stop terrorists at all costs. So we're all going to agree to kind of give up everybody. some of our constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. And bro, once the government has something, they ain't fucking giving it right. up, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I hear people say even like, but the, they did that with the Cold War. They took some, you know, started nibbling out of rights little by little. For sure, man. And I think, uh, I think this is probably sure in our lives. We've seen the trajectory of this country really change in the last, you know, thirty six months. But this has been a long game. I think they've been fucking chipping away at our rights and our abilities for fucking decades and decades. You know, no question. yeah. And speaking of that, obviously, you know, some some states are blue and some states are red. When I picture and I don't mean to stereotype because we get it, too, here in New Jersey, of course. But when I envision Seattle, Washington, you are not the guy I picture there. <laughs> what keeps you there? Bro, uh, well, I get that question often. And uh, the truth is King County which is the county Seattle is in is extremely liberal. And all you have to do is drive through the city to see how those liberal policies have absolutely destroyed Seattle. I grew up here. Seattle was a beautiful city. I'd go skating in the city all the time, take public transit down there with my skateboard and just hang out. And now you can't walk through the city without stepping in shit and drugs and tents and needles everywhere. 
the city is an absolute cesspool, but I live an hour outside of the city. And once you get outside of the city, man, Washington state is some of the most beautiful places on planet earth. And, uh, man, this is my home. This is where I was born and raised. I traveled all over the world. I lived in all these different places in the military. I lived in Georgia and Alabama, and I, I lived in Los Angeles for about four years. And I've always wanted to come back here. This is just always home for me. And so I came back here. I started my jiu-jitsu academy, which is doing awesome now. And it's like, you know what? I'll fight the bullshit and I'll, I'm going to stay here. And if they if they want to push, then I have to dig my heels in and push back. Because here's the deal, man. If everybody keeps fleeing these, right. these liberal epicenters that are pushing all the good people out, it's only a matter of time before it follows you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. you hear about Idaho and Montana and all these places where people fled in droves from California and Seattle to get away from the bullshit. Oh, guess away. what? It's starting to follow them there now. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so we're, we have or, a or, similar situation. We're in New Jersey, of course, which is, you know, very blue state, very liberal state, but we're in ocean County, New Jersey, which is kind of central but very conservative county, really like the only county that votes red every no, year. I think, uh, north, northwest, couple of south, southern counties. Couple, there's a couple of us out, out here. Well, it used to always be Ocean <laughs> yeah. Monmouth, but last year Monmouth swung blue. It's so purple, it's like purple. Yeah, purple. Yeah, purplish. Purple. <laughs> but um, yeah, I for me, you know, it takes Jersey takes a incredible amount of criticism similar to seattle i'm sure but uh you know for me it's home i love it here obviously i wasn't born and raised here i grew up in maine but spent half my life here um yeah. but uh yeah we're lucky enough to live in ocean county so it's kind of like living in a bubble within new jersey you know so i get sure. i get where you're coming from but i thought i saw some pictures of you at uh chaz village there the the, the chaz when uh, when they took over the the four blocks in Seattle, didn't I see some pictures of you naked no, running around? No, no? I swore that was you. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. There was. Uh, I wanted to go down there with my body armor, my rifle. Oh, you know what I mean? I was like, "This is bullshit." Are we? Are we? All, are all the men in society just going to stand by and and just let this bullshit take over our cities? And my wife was like, "Greg." you've been fighting battles for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. How about she goes, I'll make you a deal. If, if this comes into our neighborhood and into our city, I support you fucking putting your gear on and going out there and handling business. She goes, but that's an hour away from us. Yeah. It's not going to directly affect our right. family. And like, and I mean, I had just been terminated. Right. So as all that shit was popping off, my family was trying to navigate what's next and put plans into place and shit. And I was like, okay, I, I put this woman through enough. I'll, I'll yeah, listen to yeah. her on this one. You know? Yeah. It's been tortured her enough over the years. I'm sure. <laughs> Bro. That's why I married her because she went through a lot of deployments with me while I was going to Iraq and, you know, contrary to popular belief, most military families are highly dysfunctional. There is a lot of in there. There's a lot of cheating. There's a lot of alcohol, drug abuse. There's a lot of abuse just in general. And uh, for her to to be solid through that phase of my life, it's like, yep, she's a fucking keeper, man. That's awesome. Absolutely. That's how you know, ride or dies. Yeah, bro, you got to put them through some adversity, right? Yeah, like, 
if she only got to see the good side of life, like, how do you ever know that she's she's really down? Yeah, you know? yeah that's right. Uh, right. Since we're on since we're on the topic of of, of wifey, uh, I got to ask you. I think your your most recent post was you just did a fifty hour trip. Well, I guess let me back up a little bit. You're a fan of Game of Thrones, and you saw a mountain, not the mountain, but you saw a mountain in the background of uh, of the the show Game of Thrones, and you said to yourself, "I got to go hike that." So you booked a fifty hour trip over to Iceland, I believe, right? Yeah. And you went and did that. Now you're leaving at home, which, you know, obviously you were deployed a bunch of times, but I don't think you had three kids at that time. Your wife, three kids, a dog. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think you got a pet spider too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got a <laughs> it's it's but, not mine. It's my daughter's. It's yeah. my next <laughs> but how, how, how are you just, you just have freedom to kind of like just live your, your adventurous life and, and go. Yeah, bro. I mean, that's I mean, does that, she have a sister that, is my question. Yeah, 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 that cl- <laughs> that <laughs> climb was actually shortly before I got terminated. That story was a couple uh, years ago. Oh, was, was it? Uh, I just yeah. saw it on your Instagram. I don't know how I'm just seeing it now. Okay, no, no, because I just posted about it. I just oh, well, all right, it. that explains it. But uh, no, here's the thing, man. Like, in the there's a little more to that story. Me and my wife actually got in a pretty big fight that day, right? <laughs> and I told her, I said, I need some fucking time away from you, and we've always been very open with each other about that kind of stuff. And dude, ever since we started dating, like because of the lifestyle I was living and I was deployed for six to nine months a year, I was never like a a controlling boyfriend. Like, Hey, I'm going to go to Vegas and do a girl's weekend with all my friends and I'll be gone for four days. Cool. Have fun. See you when you get back. And I remember I'd have friends that are like, dude, you just let your girl go to Vegas. Like, and I was like, I don't let her do anything. She's a fucking adult right. human being she can do whatever she wants. And that's kind of always been us, man. We don't put restrictions on each other. We don't try and micromanage each other. And that's another reason why, like, I kept her around. Because, bro, with, like, all the bullshit going on in life, we don't need another mother. That's not mm-hmm. why I'm dating you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, we've always been real open about that. Now, I can tell you, when I went to Iceland, she told me straight up, she's like, you're running from your problems right now. That's what this is, just so you know. And I said, I'm not denying that. I won't, you're not necessarily wrong. But, bro, you know how it is, especially men. Sometimes we just need to get out of our yes. own head and just fucking decompress, get away from everybody, get away from everything that you know, and just kind of go find yourself. Yeah. And uh, I've done that in the mountains for years, man. And that's another reason I love Washington. There's so many mountains out here. That you can just go hit the trails and really decompress, you know. Bigfoot's uh, out there too. Right. <laughs> bro, you're not wrong, dude. You know, I've been looking for that motherfucker for 42 years. <laughs> yeah, free will. I'm a big, I'm a big believer in free will. You you can't control people. You just have to, you know, you give someone enough rope, they're gonna hang themselves. And that's when you see people's true colors. So give them, give them yeah. that leeway and give them free will. And here's the thing. If, if your girl wants to go cheat on you, she does fucking do you dirty. She can do that fucking five miles down the street That's right. as well. Yeah. She can do it in Las Vegas. That's right. It's not a, it's not a proximity thing. It's yeah. just, it's a, it's a moral and ethical code. And I actually like putting them through the test. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. And if you can't trust them, if at that point, what's, what's the whole point you know, sharing your, your life with someone like that? hundred percent, man. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot of relationships are mind boggling to me because it's like people want to date their mom and Mm. have a bunch of rules and shit. And it's like, dude, it goes back to what I said earlier. This is our life. You know Mm. what I mean? Like 
we should be living it in a manner that's as enjoyable as we can make it. Roger wanted to date his mom when she was in high school, maybe. I grew up in Maine. I, I could. I could have dated my cousin. And nobody would have said a word about it. I'm just saying, you, the, you, the girls you date definitely couldn't be your mom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I got you, pal. Well, hey, Frankie, I, I have to say, man, congratulations on probably one of the most memorable careers in the UFC, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that, uh, man. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It's real it's done. It, it's real crazy for me. My my first time I saw you was when you fought Tyson Griffin, which was oh, like, wow. I mean, was that your first UFC fight? That was my first UFC. It was my debut in 2007. Yeah. yeah. And I remember thinking like, because Tyson Griffin was fucking known for being a savage. Yeah. You know? He just stood at the time. And I was like, man, who's this guy? This, mm-hmm. this is going to be a fucking long night. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Bro, like, the size okay. the size difference. Yeah, Tyson dude. Griffin standing next to Frankie. It looked like they were completely different. It looked like yeah. they were three weight classes apart. It was crazy. Yeah, he was like a fire hydrant that dude. Yeah, bro, it was and crazy to follow your career through all the fucking the crazy Gray Maynard fights oh, where yeah. I thought you were gonna die. And just somehow come back and win, dude. And it's like, you know, when I first got into martial arts, I took a few cage fights. That was in 2006. Wow. And I don't even know how, because you're the same age as me, right? You're in your early 40s. 41, yeah, 41. 41. So I'm 42, bro. And and for someone that's dabbled in that a little bit to understand how hard it is on your body to Uh, see you do it for 20 fucking years is nuts, man. (laughs) Yeah, no, dude. I definitely, I definitely feel it. Definitely feel it. But uh, but I would do it all over again, man. It was, uh, it was, it was a fucking amazing ride. And, uh, you know everything that comes with it. You know you're you're it's 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 very similar to the jiu-jitsu journey. You know what I mean? The people that you come across and uh, the teammates yeah. that you have, people you train, the coaches. You know even just people that are in, into what you do. You know it's, it makes it special. I mean to, to think that you could be at the pinnacle of the sport for that long. You know. Cause fuck everybody else in your divisions these days are what twenty six, just up and coming yeah, yeah, killers. Definitely, <laughs> definitely old, I'm, I've been the old head for for quite a bit now. You know, I don't feel I don't feel it. I feel young at heart. You know, definitely the spirit yeah. feels young, but the fucking neck and back that that feels old. <laughs> for sure, bro. Well, I'm, I'm happy to see you hang it up, man. And it's like. You know that journey's come to an end, and it's it's on to the next phase of life, and it's yeah, uh, yeah, it's it, exciting, exciting to, to to be where I'm at now. You know, I mean, uh, most people retire; they're 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 you know kind of old, don't have much energy. I still got a lot ahead of me, so I'm excited for what's next. Yeah, bro. Yeah, you you see that very there's a very similar correlation to like guys in the military and fighters, where it's like once you retire or once you hang your gloves up a lot of people want to fucking rest on those allocates for the rest of their mm. life, you know? And from what I've seen personally, like not to go too dark, but I've, I've literally had six teammates from Iraq and Afghanistan commit suicide in the last wow. five years. Wow. And it's like, and what I, the theme that I keep seeing over and over is it's guys that can't accept, man, that's who I was. That's not who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. And if you're always looking in the rearview mirror, before you know it, man, you're plagued with depression and, and all of these issues because you're not willing to step into the future and you're always looking backwards, man. And, no, for uh, sure. I, I always say, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm, I fight, but it's not who I am, you know? I mean, uh, my family's always been a big part of my life. So, uh, 
that'll always keep me grounded and keep me, you know, looking forward and not looking behind. For sure, bro. Uh, are you still, are you have your own gym or anything like that? I don't, but that's the plan. I think that's the plan, you know, something in my, in my hometown. Um, you know, I, I uh, Ali Abdelaziz, I don't know if you know him, the, yep. the manager extraordinaire. He, uh, I was his first client. So I think about, I'm going to jump into that game to help some fighters out. I feel like I have a lot of knowledge to give, cool. you know, 17 years uh, as a pro, I definitely uh, got some uh, knowledge to share these young bucks. Yeah. I don't know if you know this or not, Greg, he holds the record for longest time. Most minutes in the octagon, eight out, just like three minutes shy of eight hours. Think about that. Eight hours standing across from a guy that is trained to kill you. That's crazy. Eight, and and you only have your hands and your feet to, to defend yourself and fight back. You know what I mean? Eight it's crazy. hours of fighting. Yeah. It's not like, just fighting. Fighting the toughest. The elite. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about. It is. It's it is. I, said, I didn't even clock a day's work. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just short of a full day's work. Yeah. <laughs> Clocked out I early. Tell, I can tell you this, though, bro. Like, you know – when I was coming up in jujitsu and here's the thing, man, I was on the team with the most savage guys in the world, right? Like I would train with Bushesha and Joao Assis and, and Marcelo Mafra and Lucas Leitch and all these monsters. Now I'm not one of those monsters. I always tell, I always make sure to, to point that out. Right. I was never top of the food chain, but I was always in, on the mats with all these guys. And I got to live the lifestyle and I got to see what those, what that journey was like. But for me, man, I didn't start really falling. I, I appreciating jujitsu for what it was until I got my own gym and I mm -hmm. built my own team. And now I'm taking people off the streets that know nothing and I'm enriching their life with jujitsu. Yeah. And I got like, I got kids and I see them come in and you can tell they probably have some issues at home and they're timid and they have no confidence. And inside of a year, they're different human beings. Awesome. And for me, man, that's more important than how tough of a grappler I am. I'm actually enriching members of my community's lives. Yeah. And uh, jujitsu has been enriching my life more over the last probably 24 months than the rest of the time combined, because I finally believed in my value as a coach. Mm -hmm. And it's like, your value as a coach has nothing to do with how how tough you are as an individual. It's how much you can help other people, mm -hmm. and, and it's just fulfilling, man. No, that's awesome. You know, you know, um, like martial art. You get you pass a martial art on. It's like you're not just give. You're not just to give, you're not giving someone a gift. You're giving a gift that lasts forever and that they could pass sure. on as well. So that's why, like my kids, I have two boys. They both wrestle. My daughter has been taking jujitsu. She's eight, and so that's to me, that's just amazing, you know. And uh, I think to be able to do that in my in my hometown is something that, that I look forward to. Like you said, uh, sure, you know, in the you know, I, I grew up wrestling first, and I got into jujitsu. In the wrestling world, like as soon as you start wrestling, you coach wrestlers behind you, and uh, the community we have, it's like you know, uh, my my coach. His his son was my workout partner, and then you know his son coached my kid, and my my he still coaches my kid. It's it's just an awesome whole community that that we have, and that's what you're building there, and uh, and, and that's what it's all about, man. That's awesome for sure, man. I think uh, just by nature, human beings are tribal creatures, man. We need a core group of people that we just share space with, we share energy with, and uh, man, that's lost on a lot of people. And I think yeah. if you can provide something that touches that need, man, like once people realize that they need it, 
it's fucking infectious, man. You yeah, know? people want to be part of something. They want to be part of something. And, I mean, jiu-jitsu, uh, martial, martial arts just in general, that's such a healthy, good thing to be a part of, man, you know, and uh, for, for, for mental, physical, everything, spiritual, everything. For sure. It's definitely a reoccurring theme that we hear from a lot of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructors, guys like Dante Rivera, guys like Tom DeBlas. I mean, these dudes were some scary, bad motherfuckers back in their day. But once they start coaching, it's exactly what you just said is what we hear from them. You know, they've both been on the show and it's like they, they become humbled in a way. And now, you know, they're giving something bigger than being a tough, the toughest guy in the room, you know? For sure, man. And the thing is, it's like, you know, for me, dabbling in MMA and, and being part of that scene a little bit. The, the truth about MMA is it's like in order to partake in that, you got to be cut from a different cloth. You know what I'm saying? Like that comes with a certain amount of grit and toughness that is, that is intimidating to a lot of people, but jujitsu because it's not quite as intense. I feel like a lot of people feel like they have an opportunity to explore something that might be outside of their comfort zone. Mm. And what I find at my gym is, man, I get people from all walks of life. I got people that just work at Boeing or people that are teachers or people that are doctors. And it's like, those people are probably never going to walk into an MMA gym, but for whatever reason, well, I know the reason they're not getting punched in the fucking mouth all the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it gives them something to work towards and something to be proud of. And it gives them a community. And bro, like the, the, the craziest thing for me is, once you kind of see the formula and, and understand what people need, I tell my team all the time, what, what we sell here has little to, to nothing to do with fighting. It has everything to do with building a, a tribe of people, investing in, in your community and sharing positive energy with people. And once, mm -hmm. once people see that that's what it's really about, that's why it's taken off. That's why every fucking your Jockos and your Joe Rogans and everybody's pushing jujitsu is it because right. it enriches people's lives in a way that it, it's hard to duplicate, you know? Yeah. It changes people's lives. You see, and like you said, you could see it, you know, especially with kids, man, when uh, they're, they're timid and shy and, and non-confident and shoot, you teach them to choke a couple of dudes out, you know, teach them a couple of takedowns. Man, they, they change, man. They they put their shoulders back. They start walking around with some confidence. It's amazing to see. Yeah, bro. Uh, Roger, since you since you stalked my Instagram, did you see that fifteen year old put me to sleep last week by chance? I did not. I did not see that, bro. Bro, that's worth checking out. I got. It. I'm gonna check that out because, <laughs> dude, like, and and I'm not one of those guys that's too stubborn to tap. You can't do jujitsu for twenty years. And, and be averse to tapping because you're just going to fuck yourself up. Yeah. But this kid got on my neck. And I mean, obviously, I like the guys that I'm substantially better than. I let him work. I let him put me in bad positions. And then I work out of it. And he grabbed a hold of my neck. And before I could even tap, I was waking up to a circle <laughs> of people looking down at me. And, bro, that, that had never happened to me before. Like, <laughs> after 20 years of jiu-jitsu, I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah i think for novices which i very much am i mean i rolled a little bit with frankie back in the day but never really brazilian jiu-jitsu he just it was a legendary place called the barn steve rivera you know wrestling but anyway for most people that are novices they think that you got to hold your breath if you can just hold your breath for 30 seconds it has nothing to do with that it has nothing it's no. it's the it's the blood flow to the brain yeah. and you cut that off just for literally seconds and you're out you know and you're done dude it's crazy yeah, yeah. It's funny because this kid 
held the choke for probably like another five or seven seconds because he didn't realize you, you were know? out yeah and I, I saw my arms twitching a little bit i was like bro thank you for not killing me you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah dude <laughs> Actually, I was coaching wrestling. I was like, uh, geez, I just started doing jujitsu. I must have been 23 years old. I was coaching high school kids. And uh, we were in Wildwood. And it was, you know, summer tournament. I probably had a couple drinks with me. We're walking up and some little, like, 80-pound kid jumps on my neck. Rear naked choke. And, I, you know, I'm, I don't fight it. I let him do it. And I kind of went to my knee. And I tap his boot, but he didn't feel me tap him. And this dude, put, I woke up with all these, these little kids standing over me. I'm like, what the hell? I was like, bro, that's scary. 80, 80 pound kid choke you out, you know? That's funny. Could happen that quick, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got in. I mean, you were one of the OGs. So, like, back in the day when you came from like a strong wrestling background, were you ever averse to jujitsu or were you, did you embrace it right out of the gates? Uh, no, I was, I was, I, I wanted to dive right in, man. I wanted to be like my whole thing. Like you remember like early on in the UFC, you could put what you are, what you are, a wrestler, a karate guy. Yeah. Yeah, and I picked freestyle. Cause I'd be like, I don't want to be labeled. I want to be able to do everything. So I yeah. jumped right in. I kind of did trained informal until 2008 is when I trained with, uh, once I joined Ricardo Almeida and that's okay. kind of when I got more formal, you know, jujitsu started getting belted and whatnot. Have you ever fallen in love with the gi, or is that still an abomination? Oh, man, it's tough. I, I mean, I wore it in the beginning, you know, but honestly, I haven't worn it probably since I got my black belt, and I'm, I think I'm <laughs> second degree black belt, you know. And uh, yeah. uh, but Ricardo was always like, "Listen, man, you can put the gi on when you when you're done fighting. While we're fighting, let's just keep it off." So I yeah. guess now. I must put the gear back on now. <laughs> it's funny that you. It's funny you said that because literally right before you came on, I we were talking about it, and I said, "Frankie, what's like the big difference between gear and no gear? Like, what's the big difference?" He said, "Your answer, correct me if I'm wrong, was gear. You have to be way more technical." Yeah, yeah the gear. The gear slows everything down mm -hmm. because you can literally grip someone anywhere on their body. And bro, if I if I can grip you on your elbow versus grip you on your sleeve, like that's giving me different leverage points, right? And Nogi, it allows people to scramble a lot more. And if you can scramble, then you can use your athleticism a lot mm -hmm. more too. So the Gi really takes people's athleticism and kind of forces them to slow down a little mm -hmm. bit, right? But for me, I despised the Gi. I hated it <laughs> until I was a brown belt because I was young and I was a good athlete and I liked the crazy no-gi rounds where it is just two squirrels in a sock, you know? But the older I get, the more I appreciate the gi. And at this point, like, I prefer gi for sure. Mm. Yeah, I'll definitely dabble. I'll dabble into the gi as well. But, uh, yeah, it's um, it's hot, man. It's hot in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So wait till you get a little, wait till you like settle into retirement. You get fat. You want that gi oh, on? Man, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I gained like thirty pounds or more already. Dude, did you did you ever cut weight or did you fight at your walk around weight? I fought for the most for for a big part of my career. I fought at fifty five. I won the title at fifty five, and I weigh pretty much one fifty five. I'm a little heavy now just because I'm eating obnoxiously, but. uh <laughs> You then I fought, I fought like 13 fights at, at 45 as well, which really wasn't much of a cut. But then uh, my last four fights have been at bantamweight at 35, which was a little bit of a cut. I had to, you know, die it down. I did it the right way, though. I, I kind of made myself a little bit smaller for the past, you know, two years. 
Um, but yeah, no fun, no fun cutting down thirty five. You're going to two hundred pounds now, Greg. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are you really? No, 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 no. I'm gaining. I'm gaining weight. I'm not. Not. I gave my scale to my son. I said, I don't need this no more. It's yours, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, fuck, man. I remember like was Gleason Tebow. Yeah, that motherfucker would be almost two hundred pounds on. Yeah, he just fought. He just he just fought PFL. This, uh, I saw him actually at Thursday. I went up to the PFL in, in the city. He fought up there. He's a monster, dude. I can't is, believe is that guy fighting, ever made fifty five. Fighting at light heavyweight now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, he's a, he looks like a middleweight. Easily, easily, easily a middleweight. Did you ever fight that dude? No, no, no we I never fought him. But I, I was I was the champion when he was when he was at fifty five. Yeah. Okay. Man, what a crazy fucking journey that was must have been. Yeah, no, it's uh it's it's uh, it's nuts. It's nuts. It's it's um it's like a you know, I pinch myself. I still don't believe it's it's real almost. You know, I grew up watching Rocky movies and stuff and I kinda I, I lived it, so it's wild to me. And bro, like, correct me if I'm wrong, you took the title from BJ, right? I did, yeah. And bro, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, the, that's when he was crushing everybody too. Yeah, he was widely regarded as one of the best of all time yeah and I, I mean i feel like i feel like there's something to that if you were if you were the guy to dethrone anderson in his prime or gsp in his prime or bj man there's something to that you know whereas like remember when the light heavyweight title changed hands like 15 times in a row or something yeah crazy, yeah right? Like yeah. that's not quite the same thing. I mean, don't I mean fuck, you're still a UFC champion. <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. True. But the manner in which you got it, that was pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, BJ, I mean, he was uh he was stopping everybody. He was licking his blood. I remember he licked Shirk's blood off <laughs> off off his gloves. I'm like, damn, I gotta fight this guy. <laughs> yeah, bro. And he was he was like I mean, he was fighting good guys at the time and yeah. making them look like chumps, dude. Yeah, like, man. Florian, I mean, remember that fight? Gomi crushed Gomi. Yeah, yeah. He um he was special, man. He, oh, he had an aura about him. Super cool guy too. I get along with him great now. You know, we we kick it all the time. When yeah, I I've, I've seen you guys kicking it together. I think yeah. that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. He's he's cool. He's he's such a good dude. He you know he he's he's kind of like minded like us, man. He ran he hey, ran for governor down down in Hawaii. And and the re I love the reason he said he's like you know he's like you know well, I don't want my daughters to grow up and be like daddy you're the toughest guy in the world you see you fight anybody tough guy how come you didn't fight for us and he's like that's why I decided to fight for them which I yeah. thought was very cool and bro we're seeing all the good guys that are making runs for governor or Congress they're all getting stamped out you know I know like, like Ian's I know yeah that didn't fucking work out I got a buddy out here named Joe Kent who I was in the military with mm, I seen I've, I've seen it yeah I've seen uh, uh ads for him and bro that dude is a stud of studs and uh he just I think he just lost by a margin I know they're doing like a recount Herschel Walker another guy yeah, bro. and it's like yeah, I don't know man all, all these good people aren't fucking getting elected and it makes you wonder what the fuck's really yeah. Yeah, and I don't want to be the guy that's like a sore loser, but when you just look at the numbers, it's something's not making sense. Yeah, yeah, especially Arizona too, right? This whole thing going on. I say, is that even official yet or not? Yeah, Carrie Lake said they were going to arrest her if she didn't, uh, you know, sign off on on losing. Wow, uh, you know, it's crazy. Jesus, dude, crazy. Wow. Speaking of that, um, we're seeing a trend now. Um, people getting canceled that are you know 
patriotic, strong, independent men that aren't afraid of the powers that be, which is you in a nutshell. But guys like Mike Glover, guys like Ian Smith, guys like Andrew Tate. Does that concern you at all? And, and another thing, you had a you had a shortly after you were fired, somebody, I don't know if it was you, not my business, but there was a GoFundMe started that did pretty well. They took Ian Smith's money from him. I mean, look at what they're doing to people. They they literally went into his GoFundMe and took it and gave it to the state of New Jersey because he was at war with the governor here. Does that concern you at all that you could be canceled? Bro, it's fucking, it's criminal is what it is. Right. You know, like Mike Glover is a personal friend of mine, you know, like uh, they froze his bank accounts and shit. Yes. And they said like he's on the terrorist watch list for the FBI terrorist watch list. And it's clear what they're doing. Any of the people that preach resilience and self-reliance and just becoming a person that is capable of defending yourself and taking care of yourself and defending your family, bro, they don't want that. No, they, they, they say want- you're starting a militia is what they say, yeah, which is not anything but the truth. And, and, and guess what? Militias are part of our fucking constitutional right. So if we want to start a militia, fuck the U S government, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, I've talked about it on my show a lot. Like when I was told I had to shut my gym down because dude, I'd already been fired and my gym is now my main producer for my family. And they're like, Oh, there's, there's reports that your gym's open and it needs to be shut down. And we were getting letters from labor and industry and shit like that. And I told Jenny, I said, just so we're clear, like, the U S government sent me to the other side of the world to fucking fight men to the death over bullshit. What do you think I'm going to do when someone tries to shut my gym down or come into my house? You think there's a 0% chance that I'm getting taken out of here in handcuffs and made a spectacle on the nightly news. And so, bro, there was a period of time, my body armor and my rifle, they were coming with me to practice just to teach jujitsu. And it was like, it felt surreal because it's like, man, I've been all over the world, a decade of warfare that I was that I was supposedly fighting for people's freedom. And now I have to bring my rifle just to teach jujitsu in my own community, you know? Yeah. And man, thank God that our local sheriff is a fucking patriot, dude. That's and, awesome. Uh, I communicate with him a little bit and he goes, Hey, I'm not enforcing it. They will not use my deputies for any of this bullshit. And uh, cause man, I look at like Ian, how many times did Ian get pulled out of Attila's and handcuffs? Yeah. You know, and and Ian was smart enough to play the long game and just take it at the time and then come back and fight it legally and probably the smart move, you know, but I knew that I wouldn't be able to fucking handle that shit. And so they took everything from him. Everything. Oh, yeah, bro. It's crazy. You know? and, and then here's the other thing. They're coming after guys that are that are promoting physical fitness in our communities. Mm. That's that was like their main focus. Gyms. We got to close gyms down. And it's like, well, the data is out there now. Being healthy is literally the best thing that you can do to protect yourself from COVID. Nope. Mm. We, we can't have that, you know? And so again, man, I know I feel like I'm putting on my fucking tinfoil hat, but if uh, you see, I mean, they, they, they want soft, weak ass pussies running. Do, shit. That's what they want. They, they did it with the, the truckers in Canada, too. They were trying to stand up up there, and they, they got a big convoy. They basically you know shut down the Capitol, yeah. and 
and they took their lives away. They took their livelihood. They towed their trucks. They they wouldn't let them get diesel. They froze their bank accounts. They froze yeah. their credit cards. Like it's 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 tyranny, man. And it's happening all over the world. On you know, I really care about what's happening where I live in the United States because we have a constitution. What separates us from everybody else, right, is that yeah. we have a constitution and a bill of rights. That's why we're different over here. It shouldn't be happening here. Our last our, our last interview was with a guy named Bryce Mitchell. He's an up and coming. You should follow him. He's a good follow. He's a little he's a little nutty, but good follow. And he said something. He's a UFC fighter, young guy coming up, looking really good. But uh, he said something that really resonated with me, you know. And he's a young guy. He gets it early. Uh, what is he? Early twenties, Frankie? Yeah, twenty four. Yeah, he's a super young guy. But he said something to the effect. I don't want to quote him directly, but he said, you know. I'm not fighting any war for these politicians, these pussies that send me to foreign soil to go fight their war for them. But when it affects me here on my front doorstep, he lives in Arkansas. When it comes to Arkansas, you know, I'm digging in my boots here and that's where I'll fight back. And it really just kind of like I was like that. He just said exactly how I feel, you know, bro. I think more and more people are coming to that realization, you mm-hmm. know, because like that's exactly right. They're they are going to push and push and push until all of their policies have us fucking barely able to live. Gas prices will be so high inflation. They want us eating fucking bugs while they're flying around in private jets saying that we can't drive cars because of a carbon footprint. Like, let's be honest and call it what it is. We have a political elite class. That is like a modern day monarchy. They think they're kings and queens and they think they're at the top of the food chain and they look at us like fucking peasants. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've been saying it for years, man. The only way that we're going to change this trajectory of this country, it's going to be by the ballot or by the bullet. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like the ballot's working out for us too well. And bro, this this isn't me being some crazy fucking conspiracy theorist. It's called being a fucking historian. Read a fucking book, dude. Mm-hmm. Human beings, since the beginning of recorded history, get subjugated. They have enough. And then they drag motherfuckers out in the street and behead them. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's what we should be doing. I'm saying that's what's going to happen if you start to put people, if you start to back them into a corner and affect their livelihoods. And uh, when that day fucking comes... I will be fucking front and center with my Norwegian battle axe. <laughs> my well, you see what, what they're doing in China, China, even China's starting to fight back. Hell yeah, dude. You know, they, bro, they, they're, they're, Brazil. they're, they're, they're yeah, Brazil's more like us. Like China, they're, they're obedient ass people, bro. And they're like, yeah. fuck that. They're fighting back now. And bro, it's a numbers game. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like this, this elite class of people, they may hold the power and they may hold the wealth and they may hold some of the capabilities. But at the end of the day, if enough people get fed up, we can affect massive change. And dude, that day's coming. One of my biggest fears though, is that that day won't come until we're 75. Mm, and we'll, we'll have to watch. We'll have to watch the second American revolution from our mm. fucking porches. dude. Yeah, you're right, dude. <laughs> Hey, just guess. Wait, get a good glasses. Still be a good shot, you know. <laughs> That's right, dude. Do, do you think nice. part of that is is why they made such an example out of the insurrectionist one, is because, bro, that's one thousand percent the reason. Oh, right? yeah, Anyone oh, yeah. that stands up against the machine, they squish you like a bug to send yeah, a message right. to everybody else. You yeah. know. That's a hundred percent why that happened, dude. Mm-hmm. It's I such mean, a fucked up thing, too, because. 
you know, even Frankie and I had talked and not that we would have ever gone in, but we talked about going down there because we just thought it was getting our voice heard. You know, Ian, Ian was going down, you know, and, and we talked about maybe going, we, you know, we got kids and shit. We couldn't make it happen, but I don't think we would have ever gone in, but those people were there just to be heard. And they were, listen, I wasn't there, but I've seen the video. They were told, come in, come in, come in, come in. You yeah, know what I mean? And, and some of the people, what's yeah. his name? Um, uh, shit i forget his name now the the one FBI guy that, agent yeah yeah like like never been prosecuted roy roy right so no um shit what the hell is his name i got it right on the tip of my tongue i'll think of it in a minute but you're talking about the agent that was yeah saying guys yeah, yeah, yeah. capital that's, that's the thing man this was calculated yeah like they had that guy out there saying we're gonna go in. We're gonna storm the Capitol, right. and a bunch of people were like, "No, we're not." Yeah, they're all yelling, "Fed, Fed, Fed!" You know, people saw it for what it was, right. and dude, like, you know, like a day or two later, the president's like, "They came in here and they killed multiple police officers." Yeah. What? <laughs> they just <laughs> lie. Like, they just they, 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 these people literally just blatantly lie. It's like they don't realize that the internet exists. Like mm -hmm. we're all in communication. We're on the other side of the fucking country having a conversation right now. Right, and every yeah. other human being in the country can do the same. You can't just fucking lie to people's faces like you used to. It's really but, a lot of it too, where you get, you know, what really, really happens because you can't trust the news at all is social media and people with these things, yeah. you know, there was people in the crowd with these things and that told the story. Right. You know 100%. what I mean? Bro, that's why everybody that was pushing the truth is getting shadow banned and getting their exactly. shit shut down. And and bro, that's why it's it's interesting times with Elon buying Twitter and and kind of changing the trajectory of of what people can share and and how they can exercise freedom of speech and shit. Well, I you see, you know, uh, but Apple's trying to kick them off uh, uh, their 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 app page, maybe. Oh, are they really? Yeah, there's. I, I, I. Someone was like, "Yo, you're gonna have to make your own phone." He's like, "I really hope I could work this out." But yeah, that will that will have to be the option. I'll have to make my own phone. This dude's fucking. Fuck, but he'll, he'll do it. You know. Yeah, he will. He's crazy. I mean, he's smart. I mean, at least he has the initial the 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 know how. You know. Yeah, doesn't Amazon own like most of the because you have to have massive servers to to you know to run these things, and uh, Amazon has the monopoly on them, right? No, I have no idea. I think so. But bro, I mean, I think the the tides are starting to shift a little bit and we'll see. Time will tell. Right. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't the massive red wave that everybody. Uh, no, was it wasn't going to happen. You know, I think a lot of that's just wishful thinking, because like on one hand, we're up against a, a massively corrupt system. But the other side of it is, I mean, it's like it's like Marxism with the useful idiot. There are a lot of people that are being used as pawns to take away our own rights and they're supporting it and they don't even realize they're doing it, you know? Right. But fuck man, we'll see where it goes. At least we're, we're not living in a boring time, you know? No. <laughs> yeah. I used to think, you know, you, you were born like, you know, eight, you're born 80, 81, right? So I mean, this guy's yeah. a little bit older than us, but uh, like we live, I thought we, at first we were like in such a good like period of time, you know, we just right after Vietnam, we had the desert storm, which was like a fucking six week war. <laughs> yeah, and then mean, fucking nine eleven hit, bro. Nine eleven hit and everything went down fucking hell. I the know, fucking bro. twenty year war in Afghanistan, fucking coronavirus. We had a hurricane hit us fucking ten five ten years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bro. <laughs>
When's the last time, you know, we've, we've talked about this a few times on the show, but Greg, when's the last time you saw a feel good story on the news? It's never, ever. When I was a kid, oh, used to yeah. be fire departments saving cats up in trees and shit. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there was always some feel good story and it wasn't a lot of gloom and doom. Now it's nothing but just absolute heinous stuff happening all over the world. And, and I don't even watch it anymore. I refuse to watch it. Nope. I, I've been done with the news for a long time for that same reason, man. Because what does the news become? The news has become, I'm going to watch my team push their propaganda. Mm, right. And it doesn't matter if you're on the right or the left. People go watch their CNN Agreed. or their Fox News yep. just to be triggered, you know? Yeah, yeah triggered. And it's, like, it's an echo chamber. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, sure, we're talking about some of this shit. But, like, the thing that I push on my podcast more than anything is – you have to be informed. Like if you, if you're an ostrich and you just stick your head in the sand and pretend everything's fine, that's not going to serve you. Right. Mm -hmm. That comes with its own inherent dangers, but be informed, but not consumed. Mm. It can't be something that dictates your life and fucking makes your blood pressure rise and fills your, your veins with cortisol, like be informed, but then go out there and live the best life that you can and focus on your own community and your own health and your own well-being and your own fucking entrepreneurship and all the shit that you can affect. And I have this talk with my kids a lot. I'm like, listen, if the world straightens itself out and we are able to build our businesses and, and, and grow financially and become successful, that's great, right? But if the world goes to, to third world chaos and it becomes a shithole, the truth of that scenario is, because I've lived in that scenario, the people to your right and your left, you will become closer than to them than you ever thought imaginable. Your relationships will be the strongest they've ever been. You will have to rely on people in a manner that you've never had to rely on people for. And that in itself will create a rewarding existence. Mm -hmm. Sure, you might be hungry and you might be cold, and it might be like emotionally demanding, but as the overall human experience, either way society goes, we're going to be okay. And it's just mm. going to bring a different experience to this life. But either way, I'm kind of comfortable with it. And to tell you the truth, I welcome either way too, you know? Right. Roger's they, pissing his pants right now. <laughs> yeah, bro. They, they, I'm, <laughs> they I'm, I'm, I'm not at all for me. The reason it is a little bit of a scary concept is because I have children and I want them to live in a in a good world surrounded with good people. But it's just going to hell in a handbasket. So I don't know what is going to happen. None of us do. You know, you I mean, just well, like, like 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 Greg was saying, just prepare them that way. You yeah. tell them as much as you can. You, you prepare them the, the best way you can. And that's it. Bro, Keep the bug out bags packed. Some of the happiest people in the world live in the shittiest war-torn mm. shitholes that you can imagine. Or these impoverished African nations where like, hey, you want to go get a pail of water so you can drink? You might get eaten by a Nile crocodile, you know? Yeah. Like a lot right. of people live in really, really fucked up realities. And guess what? They're not pumping a bunch of meds in their body. Mm -hmm. They're not suicidal. They're not plagued by depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it's because they're living an existence that is real. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to be depressed about bullshit mm -hmm. because my real life is full of enough shit that I have to have my head on a swivel and I have to be taking care of myself and I have to be taking care of my family. And so, like, I look at that kind of thing and think, you know what? The worse it gets here probably the more grounded people are going to become the closer people are going to become like, look at nine 11, man. And that was in your guys's back fucking yard. What did that do? That brought people together in a manner that we never thought possible, you know? 
And so the worse things get on one hand, the better they're going to get on the other. Mm -hmm. And that's why the scales can tip either way. And you have to tell yourself, I mean, it's outside of our control for the most part, right? So you can't allow the thought of society going one way or the other to be something that fills you with fear, because I think that's what they want, man. They want us in a fearful triggered state. Oh, absolutely. Fear equals control. There's no question. That's I mean, a great way to look at it. I mean, you know, fucking, you got no choice. You got no choice. You got exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like fuck, dude. When you're in the ring, Frankie, when that fucking bell rings, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen, right? Yeah. And you you can do whatever you can do to affect the outcome, but like, something's I mean, gonna happen. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. And like, I'm sure leading up to fights, there's, you know, and I've only taken a couple, so I don't have any real experience other than a handful of fights to to draw from, but it's like, there's some anxiety and there's some nerves leading into it. But once it's go time, well, fuck, we'll, yeah. we'll see where it goes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you, you, you made a commitment. So now it's it. And so that's kind of how I look at life. We're to the point now where it's like, I don't want to live in that place where I'm allowing the fear and the anxiety to get its hooks in. I'm trying to get in that mindset. It's like, we're in the fight now and we'll just see where it fucking goes, man. Yep. Yeah. So I guess back to my question though, do you, do you fear getting canceled? Would that be, would that be a big deal to you if they took your podcast down, if they, you know, I don't even know if the GoFundMe exists anymore, but if they had seized it at the time, if uh, how much does that concern you? Um, at this point, I mean, the GoFundMe is a foregone conclusion. I fucking I bought a piece of property out in the mountains with that, you know, good for you. Good for you. Uh, initially, we we were going to use it. I mean, it, a friend set it up as a legal fund and right. we started we started fighting against the port <laughs> and we went through like three lawyers and every time just tens of thousands of dollars are just vanishing in a blink of an eye, yep. you know, and three lawyers basically all told me the same thing. They're like, morally and ethically, you should win this case, but the system has all of their T's crossed and their I's dotted and it's going to be a tough fight. And there's a good chance you can drag this out for two years and you'll lose. That's, that's what I foresee happening because they had all the policies written and everything in place. And so me and my wife talked and it's like, do I want to piss away a big chunk of money and then probably lose in the long run? Or do we want to do it, take the smart path and invest in our future. Right. So yeah, dude, we got 30 acres in the mountains with That's a awesome. river on it and a spring and running water. And we're just, like you said, have your bug out bag packed, you know, yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, to tell you the truth. I mean, my Instagram has grown pretty big to a point where like I've been able to monetize it and it's actually like sponsorships and and deals and all the stuff that comes along with that. And it's been great. And if I were to lose that today, it would certainly suck. I mean, I wouldn't be happy about it, but at the same time, I'm not going to change my message. I am who I am. If it doesn't work out online, uh, like I said, my jujitsu Academy is doing awesome. So I always have that to fall back. Take that to the mountains. I know, right? Yeah. Dude, we actually teach a, uh, we started a course, me and two of my buddies, uh, my jiu-jitsu professor, Joao Assis, who's like an ADCC champion, absolute mm-hmm. monster. He's one of my best friends in the world. Him, I, and another one of my friends have started a course called Guns and Geese. And it's an immersion camp that teaches you the fundamentals of shooting and grappling. And uh, 
we actually do do that out in the woods on the property that I bought. That's awesome. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's been good, man. Yeah, let's weigh in on that a little bit since you, you spent a good portion of your life as a police officer. Um, do you think police officers in this day and age need more? Tra- I mean, I think the answer there is going to be yes. But I mean, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is such is probably the best best platform they could go to to get that training. Right. I mean, their officers seem to be in the videos I've seen. Most of them, I'm not saying all, but most of them seem to be well under trained in the well, art of over, combat. Overwhelming amount <clears throat> of police officers are lacking what I would consider the skill sets to just be competent at their job. And it's sad. Like this is your chosen profession. You raised your right hand and said, this is what I want to do. And if you want to be part of a profession that puts their hands on people and takes their freedoms away and puts people in jail, but you don't want to train to know how to do that effectively and safely, go fucking sell car insurance, Mm. go do something else. And I'm not even saying that pejoratively. I'm just saying you need to fucking you need to take a good look at the career that you chose and ask yourself why you're there. You know, being a black belt, like with my departments, I was always one of the trainers. Hey, Greg, will you teach these guys this? Will you teach these guys that? And what you find is people will attend like biannual training. We'll do like, or quarterly training where you're training two to four times a year. I mean, think about training for a fight and training two to four times a year. It's a waste of everybody's fucking time. Right. And, uh, you know, and and Frankie, you'll understand this as good as anyone. Fighting is not like, oh, hey, this is how I do a Kimura or this is how I do a double leg takedown. More importantly is having an understanding of your base timing, movement, reading people's movement patterns and like being able to react in real time. And the only way that you can get that is by spending a substantial amount of time on the mats. And dude, jujitsu is hands down. And it's not just because I'm into jujitsu, but someone that was in law enforcement for 10 years and has trained a lot of different martial arts. Jujitsu is one of the best it's wrestling and jujitsu that law enforcement officers need to understand. You are dictating where the fight takes place, and then you are looking for control to put people in handcuffs. And that's grappling. Mm -hmm. That's not Muay Thai. That's not boxing. Like, you can't fucking head kick people on the streets as a cop, right? That's just not part of the job. And the weird thing is, what have they done nationwide? They've taken away the rear naked choke. Yeah, dude. You know? The rear naked choke is the safest way to take someone into custody. Mm-hmm. And I've always said, like, man, these city council boards and these panels of people that are banning chokes, I want to run them through a test where I say, hey, let's do a training based scenario where I'm going to be the police officer and you're going to be the suspect that I have to take into custody. I can use my baton. I can use my taser. I can use elbows and knees. I can use OC spray or I can use my jujitsu. What would you prefer to have used against you? Mm-hmm. The over, yeah. Once you put it in that context, everybody's going to be like, yeah, yeah, take me down and and put me in a gift wrap and yeah, handcuff. You know those, what I'm saying? Those very same people are the same people calling AR-15s weapons of war. You know what I mean? They, they have no experience with guns at all. They have no clue what they're doing. Yet they just define them as weapons of war, you know. Well, and, and don't forget all these motherfuckers calling them weapons of war are protected by, by weapons, weapons of, of war, war. Yeah. carrying AR-15s. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, I that's didn't a, know. That. 
I didn't I'm not. I'm not here to. Yeah, I'm not here to shit on police officers. Frankie and I obviously we're friends with a lot of police officers. Some really, really good police officers, in my opinion. We support the men and women in blue always, but. You know, I, I I do think that there has to be a reevaluation or, or something going on here because not just in the physical dynamic, but we just last week we went and qualified for our CCWs and I and I think we did you know all, all things considered that we don't shoot that often we did pretty well there was six of us group of friends that went and we we qualified in the first round they give you three rounds I guess to qualify you know each block being a hundred rounds of bullets we all got it we all, rounds. So is it 60? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. 60 rounds. We all got it done within the first 60. You know, we were kind of proud of ourselves or whatever, but the the instructor said, stick around. You guys want to stick around? We got got 12 cops coming in after you guys. And he said, they're the worst guys on the range you've ever seen. They're the worst shots ever. And I'm like, why is that? Like, why is that? That's not good. I, I see that all the time because it's the same thing with your firearms call. When you're a police officer, you rarely, rarely get good training. What you get is a qualification where you have to go shoot. And then that way they can put your completed qual in your packet. And all that is your annual qual is just CYA for the agency. That way, if you get into some shooting, they can say, well, look, he passed a qual. So he's trained, but shooting 60 rounds twice a year. It's the same thing as I was saying with jujitsu to be good at firearms. You need to be putting a substantial amount of time on the range. And when I was a cop, I would go shooting on my own because most agencies won't invest in you and in the capacity that you need to be invested in to bring you to a certain level of proficiency. And it goes back to the same thing I said, if, if this is your chosen profession and you don't want to be a master of the tools that you get issued, it's probably time to look at something else. Yeah. A lot of cops. And I'm the same as you guys, man. I support police officers. Tons of my friends are cops. I was in the profession for a decade. But I think good cops, one of the most important things we need to do is call out cops when they're when they're not holding the line. Yeah. And it's like, if you're fat and you don't know how to shoot and you don't know how to fight, you're a fucking liability to the profession. And dude, I look at it like this. I travel a lot doing my podcasts and, and doing jujitsu events and shit at home. I have my wife and three daughters. If they have to call nine one one because of an emergency, I should have a reasonable expectation that the men and women that show up to my house are going to be capable of defending my family. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, based on what I see around here, I don't have that expectation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think like, you know, if you want to be a ranger or you want to be a seal or a green beret, there's very, very strict standards that you have to uphold. And it's not just to get into the unit at any given time when you're a ranger and they say, hey, go take a PT test. And if you are not in shape enough to pass the standard, you get one redo because you maybe you were hung over that day or something. Right. You get one redo and you're fucking kicked out of the unit. If you want to be part of something important and something special and something where you're serving your community, it should come with standards and it should be taken serious. And if you don't want to do that, you're probably not cut out for the job. But what we're finding is the job is becoming so toxic that less and less people, especially men and women that have like strong moral compasses and strong values, they're less likely to put up with the bullshit. And because more and more people of of strong moral moral character and, and people that are capable are less likely to partake in the profession 
what we see is they're lowering the standards right. consistently to the point now where there's there's police departments that are saying no physical fitness standards required. And it's like, motherfucker. Yeah, dude, if I have to chase a dude and and you can only you can't run a hundred meters, fuck man, then you're more of a liability. I'd rather not have you there than have you there. Yeah. Like I remember one time as a police officer, and this wasn't even a hot pursuit or anything. We were we just got we were responding to a call and we were going to the area that we needed to check out, and there was a six-foot chain link fence. And I just grabbed the top of it, hopped over. And I look back and my partner's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, let's try and see who holds the keys to the gate. And, and then they can let us in. We don't need to be climbing fences. And it's like, dude, do you want to be a patrol officer and a six foot fence is even a consideration for you? Mm-hmm. Fucking go sell car insurance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tim, Tim Kennedy speaks to that point a lot that the, you know, the, the pool to pick from, has dwindled down to essentially nothing now. You know what sure. I mean? It's it's sad. You know, and so bro, now like, the option is just to lower the standards. So you're getting less less and less qualified people. You know, it's 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 horrible. And bro, like if if for no other reason, the the community that that has bestowed the the authorization and the power of you being a police officer, man, they should be able to count on you if they need you to to respond to something. Right. And there's a lot of cops that couldn't drag someone out of a burning building. Well, they're, know? they're sending counselors now. So we're good. You know, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Hey, Social one order. of those, one of those counselors got a fucking knife stuck in him in Seattle. I heard, <laughs> I heard that story. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, Hey, we're all shocked. That yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> you know, I got Hey, listen, before I forget a, a great guest for you to, to interview or have on your podcast, Errol Dobler. He's a former Navy SEAL. Then he went to the FBI. Now he does, I don't know what you call it, I guess, motivational leadership leadership skills. Team building, I guess, is what it's called. But he's uh, also uh, a big Wim Hof, Wim Hof guy. Okay. We, we did a, a seminar with him. First time I'd ever done Wim Hof. First time I'd ever done an ice bath. And really very likable guy, very knowledgeable guy, kind of right up your alley. So okay. definitely what, check him out. How do I spell his name? Errol, Errol Double. What is it, Frankie? E-R-O-L-D-O-B-B-L-E-R, maybe? I'm guessing. Don't know. Close enough. Okay. I'll, I'll find him. Yep. Uh, yeah, bro. Like, that has become a big part of my just daily routine and I, I, I hashtag it microdose adversity, right? Like do something kind of hard every day. Yeah. You don't have to be a Cam Haynes that wakes up and runs a fucking marathon yeah. every day, right? And and I'm not knocking him. I wish I could do that. Bro, that guy's, he's not even but, human. Uh, <laughs> but fucking, and just get out of your comfort zone at least once a day, you know? Yeah. That can be a gnarly workout or rounds on the mats or the sauna or the ice tub. But I think a big part of the degradation of our society is that man, people are just chasing comfort all the time. Yeah. You know, we're Nobody warm all to the uncomfortable. Time. Our yeah. bellies are full of food. We're fucking sitting in front of the television all the time. And it's like right. everywhere we go is 70 degrees and comfortable. And I honestly think that's a big problem that a big contributing factor to why we're just seeing an, uh, an overarching theme of weakness taking no over question. our society because people are so afraid of discomfort, you know, like, bro, I'm dude. I made an ice bath video last week that went fuck. Like it has over a million views. It wow. fucking went 
pretty fucking viral for just getting, I got out of my sauna and I got into my ice tub. That's it. You know? And dude, a lot of people, and this is just the internet, right? But took that as an opportunity to like talk shit to me. They're like, bro, you, you're, you're not a medical professional. You're just an Instagram influencer telling people to do shit that'll blow their heart up and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, man, quit fucking living in fear. Go out there and get uncomfortable sometimes. Like if you're scared, get a dog, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like, I haven't seen anyone fucking die from getting into. Do you, uh, do you do an old school method? You just got like a, like a barrel, like a trough, like a horse trough and throw ice in it. Or you got one of these high tech things that Frankie just got. So bro, I got, I, in my backyard, I got what's called the ice barrel. And mm. the ice barrel, it's just a fucking barrel. Yeah. Right? yeah. They put yeah. the name ice on it. So it sounds cool. <laughs> and I'm not knocking them. They fucking sent me one free of charge uh, to fucking like put on my Instagram and shit. And I really like the thing, yeah. but I like it because I live in Seattle. So from about fucking October to April, the water's cool. cold. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. June, July and August. It's like fucking bathwater in there. Yeah. You it's tough. To you put, put a lot of ice. Right. Yeah. You got to put fucking seven bags of ice in it. Right. That's that's 20 bucks every ice bag. Yeah. No, you. This guy just so, got some high got tech thing. Polar monkeys. Polar monkeys. I'm setting it up. It's not done yet, but it's kind of a circulating okay. pump. And I, but it's just one of the tin, yeah. one of the tin ones, but it has a cooler with it and a, and a filter. Yeah. So I'm yeah. setting that up. But I, I do have the barrel sauna like you have. That's a very similar one you got. And uh, I, I I love that. I, I'm in that thing every day, every day. Dude, I got the, uh, I just got the cold plunge, which is similar to that. Oh, okay. That. Yeah. 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 And, yep. uh, but that's going in my gym. That's not going to be at the house. And so I actually want to incorporate ice baths in my youth class and have the kids get in there. You know? yeah, my son will do my son. One of my sons will get in for 30 seconds and he toughs it out. But I think, I think that's awesome. That That's a great idea. Bro, there's a video you can YouTube this of uh, Russian kindergarten recess, and they make the kids strip down to their underwear and go outside and play in the snow and dump freezing pails of water over their heads. And it's like, dude, the rest of the world hasn't bought into this weak ass bullshit. I know. We I keep know. doing it, dude. We're we're they tough. Gotta be, we're, they gotta be. I'm so, but we have to be a laughing stock. We're toughening our kids up over here. We're putting litter boxes in the classrooms now. We're, we're making them tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bro, do you remember when we were in fucking high school, there was always the football coach or the wood shop teacher. That yeah. if you did some dumb shit, they'd snatch you up by your neck. Yeah. You know? Hell yeah. That shit out right now. Yes, sir. You know what I yeah. mean? And it's like, dude, it's not like we're that fucking old. It's right. not like we're fucking World War II veterans saying, oh, back when I was a kid, it's like a massive shift has taken place yep. in a short amount of time, dude. And it's like, if I asked my fucking teacher to put a litter box, I would have got fucking smacked, dude. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. I've heard about that shit happening nationwide, though. You got fucking kids wanting to shit in litter boxes. Who's going to clean that up? Is that the janitor's <sighs> new responsibility? Imagine being the janitor. (laughs) (laughs) You got all these dumb kids gluing their hands to walls. Oh, yeah. You know what I'll do? If you glue your hand to my wall, I'll fucking Um, rip it off and send you on your fucking way, dude. Yeah, but we just pandered all the bullshit, dude. And so, and what was that for? Was that for the climate change? Climate, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're doing everywhere. Right? Well, make so, that make sense to me. Throwing paint on, you know, yeah. like, 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 
ruining a work of art work of art like uh, you know what i don't what did that do i don't get it i don't how did that how did that help in any way shape or form imagine the amount of cleaners the aerosol cleaners that they use to clean that up off the floor and say you just damage the environment more (laughs) fucking idiots you know what i mean and, and the biggest thing that all these fucking idiots don't realize is all of the people that are selling this fucking climate change crisis to them are flying around in their fucking private jets all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? So that like, summit, they all, they all show up in private jets. It's, yeah. it's unreal. And so if they're unwilling to walk the walk and they just sit there and talk the talk, why are you giving them any validity? You shouldn't. Exactly. Be, but these kids are fucking... 18 years old they're impressionable and they've also been products of the public school system where their brains have been being manipulated since they were fucking babies yeah bro i finally got my kids out of public school that all three of them are in private school right now because like my 10 year old daughter came home one day and was like i don't know if i'm going to be a lesbian or if i'm going to be straight when i grow up and i said first of all you're fucking 10 Yeah. yeah i said whatever you grow into and whatever sexuality you desire when you become an adult, I support you. All right. But the truth is the fact that you're thinking about that right now is because you're being fucking fed a bunch of bullshit and you're being manipulated. A kid should not be concerned with if they want to fuck men or women when they develop sexual feelings. That should be so far. And not only should they not be thinking about that, the public, the school system should have no part in their sexual None. No, Zero no, part. Uh-uh. You know? They're there teach to teach reading, arithmetic, writing, writing reading. That's it. You have nothing to do with my kid's sexuality. Nothing. And Not that and I care. Well, if my kid grew up to be gay, what? I, that's, but that's, that's for me to handle, for me to address, for me to explain that. I'm not scared of it. People are immediately like, oh, you're scared. You're not, not at all. It's just not, not for the all. school to have any part of. None. My kid, my my eight-year-old looked at me, I don't know, maybe like two months ago and said, Daddy, I'm a vegan. I said, the fuck you are. That's exactly what I said. I said, the fuck you are. Yeah. She's followed, yeah, she's eight. So she was eight years old looking at me, telling me she's vegan. I don't care if she's vegan when she's old enough. I could care less. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter to me at all. Be a vegan. But at eight years old, you're not deciding that you're a vegan. I make your decisions for you to keep you alive and to get you to be an adult. And then when you're an adult... Make your own choices. If you want to like girls, like girls, you want to eat, you know, fucking, salads, fucking eat salads, yeah, yeah. You want to eat salads every day? Eat salads. Just knock yourself out. I, I still love you. You're still my kid. But right now, you're eight years old. Yeah, bro. And I just saw a lot of toxicity in the public school. And uh, it just became very apparent that they're fucking pushing their agendas. Yeah. You know, I got, I got my fucking nine-year-old coming home saying that, Donald Trump is a terrible person and everybody hates him. And it's like, you can hold whatever opinion you want on Trump or Biden or whatever the fuck you hold. Stop teaching my fucking children, your political views. That's right. You know, agreed. And so, but bro, it's, it was one of the best moves we ever made is uh, putting them in a private school that just, bro, they're not teaching agendas. They're teaching your fucking children. Right. the thing is most private schools have a religious component to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I tell my children because I, I'm very open with them about all of this stuff. And I'm like, Hey, the school you're in now, part of what you learn is Bible study and you learn about Christ. And if that's something you want to to develop and that's a relationship that you want to have cool, but just like with public school, 
Nobody can make these decisions for you. I want you to learn about it, have an open mind, have an open heart, and then see where life takes you, you know? Yep, exactly. Yeah. It teaches kids to think for themselves. That's what schools well, are not that's made what to do. Comes, yeah, that's what it comes down to, dude. I always say I'm not I'm not the most religious person in the world, but I'm definitely a God fearing man. And I, I try to teach my kids about, you know, God and, and what it means. And and I don't really push them in any direction. They're kind of too young anyway. But, you know, for Thanksgiving, for example, I made Thanksgiving for us. And I said, dad's going to say a prayer, you know, if you if you want to participate and add to it. And they never do. They're always like, you know, but then I'll, I'll see Milani. Like, you know, sometimes my oldest one, I'll say, we'll go to bed and she she'll say to me. I just, I just said a prayer to God, you know what I mean? But she should do it quietly or you know, whatever. And I'm like, that's, that's all you got to do. That's, you know, it's up to you. I'm not, I'm not forcing anything on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, that's, and I'm the same as you. I'm certainly a spiritual person, but I was an atheist for a long time. And I kind of came to this spiritual understanding through just the natural journey of my life. Right. And so for me to then tell other people, what their journey should look like or the conclusions that they should draw, man, I'm kind of full of shit. That's what I feel like. So I tell my, I, t I tell my daughters, I'm like, there is a spiritual component to the universe that we share with everybody, but I want you guys to explore it. And I want you to figure out what you feel works with your heart and, and what you're congruent with. And uh, man, it's like, everybody's always trying to get everybody on their team and just let people find their own fucking path. You That's, know? I agree. I agree. It's like I have no problem with vegans, but those vegans that try to fucking make me give up meat drive me nuts because it's like it's like that's, that's why the they call everything meat too. That's it's, the path you chose. Cheese steak? No, yeah. no, it ain't it's no steak in that. Yeah. It ain't no cheese yeah, in that yeah, either. Yeah. You know, yeah, beef jerky <laughs> vegan. Yeah. This is what I've always found interesting about vegans is they say like, "Oh, you're killing animals and it's unethical," but then they make fake meat right yeah. like if it's unethical why are you pretending right to right. eat a slab of flesh right, like, <laughs> right. yeah it doesn't, totally make sense. Sense. doesn't make any sense are you guys familiar with sean baker do you know who he is uh, uh carnivore guy carnivore i know guy. very little bit about him I so, yeah he was on rogan and he is a super athlete and dude the universe is just weird like i've been following this guy for a long time he, I listened to him on Rogan. He hasn't had anything but steak for seven years, right? And then he leaves California and buys like a little farmhouse right up the street from me and signed up at my jiu-jitsu academy. Get out of here. Yeah. Wow. So now he's one of my jiu-jitsu students. That's and amazing. Dude, awesome. And the dude's 55 years old, super athlete, all shredded. And uh, it, it's funny, man. Like he can – he not only – has put himself through the tests of what it mean, what what happens to your body when you eat only meat, but he's also performing at a super high level, you know, and he's done a lot of studies and he has some big studies that are being published currently that he's like, he's not willing to talk about publicly yet. But what you're finding is massive amounts of people are, are able to beat their diabetes and their obesity and their high blood pressure, all of these autoimmune diseases. And it's, it's partially because meat is very nutritionally dense, but it's also when you go carnivore, you're cutting out so much of the process bullshit. Mm. Like right. we just give our kids fucking Doritos and goldfish crackers and mm. think that that's okay. 
and really all that shit is fucking poison man it is mm-hmm. you yeah know? yeah i agree i seen you did uh when you the hard 75 and yeah. you, you, did, you did steak and apples is that right steak, steak apples and eggs and bro that's yeah. all i ate for 75 Dude, i could eggs. eat that that that's oh, like i could do yeah, that that's i my, think that's yeah. that stable right there and bro, I got fucking shredded from it. You know, if now how, how'd you feel though? The apples obviously is the only carbs. How, how, you feel depleted in any sense? Um, I would say initially for a period of time, I felt depleted. But the thing is, when I go strict carnivore, because I've done it a few times, I always feel like something's missing a little bit, right? Mm. Like I'm not quite as good of a version of myself. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do it again, but I'm just going to add in one fruit. And what I found is like, dude, if I had like a hard night at practice or whatever, man, I'd eat two or three apples and then I would feel fucking great. Mm. But the thing is two or three apples is less than a hundred grams of carbohydrates. So right, yeah. it's like, it's still a substantially smaller amount than most people are consumed. Like a fucking Pepsi is like 55 grams. Yeah, right, you know what I'm right. saying? And so like, I honestly think if you get your carbohydrates through natural food sources, that they're not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I think carbohydrates have got a bad rap because all of the processed foods are full of them. Yeah. And people are able to consume fucking 500 grams in 10 minutes because they chug a two liter bottle of Fanta or something, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, that program was good for me, man. Uh, are you guys, are you, do you know Andy for sale? Yeah. You guys met Andy at that event. I'm sure. Um, bro, that event, I mean, if you remember, we, I, I definitely, we, you've been on our radar for a long time. So we knew who we were. We wanted to come up and say hello. And, but that bro, that place was absolutely mobbed. And, and it was the who's who of, of like the conservative movement. You know what I mean? I mean, there was so many people there. I was no way I could have met them all. Obviously we had a brief moment to talk to you and kind of got to know you. And, uh, this, this has been a long time in coming, getting you on the podcast here. How long ago yeah. was that? Over a year ago, right? Yeah. yeah. It might even be two years. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that was, I mean, bro, that was such a good networking event. Just getting to fucking meet like-minded people from all right. over the country. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to realize, like, you know, that the message that is always pushed is that, like, oh, we're the crazy ones, right? Man, I think a lot more of the country is in alignment with our values and our perspectives, then they lead people to believe there's a reason why the conservative candidates, I mean, they have fucking, they have fucking party trains of cars that are a hundred miles going to some of these fucking Trump rallies and shit. Mm. And then you got Biden that had like 25 people, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, again, the math doesn't make sense. We either had the, the largest or the second largest Trump boat parade Right here in Barnegat yeah. Bay. It was the second. Oh, really? or, it was either the largest or the second largest. I forget. Yeah. But yeah, I think we might have got beat by Miami or something, but it was massive. It was huge. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I, more people are in alignment than they want to lead people to believe. You For know? sure. But uh, no, like I became Andy Frisella became friends with me literally like the next day after the video. That's awesome. He was one of the first guys to hit me up and he's like, hey, I want to bring you aboard first form. You share our values and we're of the same mentality. And like so many opportunities have opened up just as a result of just being authentically who you are, you know? And it's, it's strange uh, to like circle back what we talked about initially. A lot of people are reluctant to, to speak up and say what they believe. But if you do, 
man, I think the universe rewards you, man. Like I, I've made so that. many fucking friendships and meaningful relationships and even like business relationships too. Um, Vortex Optics, are you guys familiar with them? Mm, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Bro, the president of Vortex reached out to me and did a sponsorship with my, my uh, training program that I was telling you guys about. And it's just helped me out dramatically, dude. That's great, man. All because I said things that resonated with them, you know? And it's like... Oh, yeah, you stood up for something you believed in, and people can get behind that. Not a lot of people yeah, do that, well, you know? So I don't know if you remember or not, but when when we... Because there's two floors to Attila's gym. The place is pretty massive. I don't know what the square footage is there, but it was absolutely packed. And I think we even got there a little early, but when we walked upstairs, you were attempting your first backflip ever. Do you remember that? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah bro. With and Austin. you nailed it. You got it. And I hit it, bro. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's funny. I actually Austin came out and did Austin. one of my shooting and did one of my shooting courses, and I did another backflip at that That's shooting great, course. Man. He's a he good dude, there. bro. The that thing about bad. Austin, right? You look at him and you never know. Like you see people in videos. I remember before I met Frankie. I'd see him on TV and I was like, that fucking dude is a fucking monster, right? And then I met him. I'm like, oh, he's not, you know, he's a, he could kick my ass, but he's not that big a dude. Austin is a big motherfucker and he does oh, yeah. backflips like it's nothing. Yeah. Like well, he's a big dude, bro. An athlete, dude does, yeah. Super athlete. Dude, yeah. it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I told him though, I said, bro, I've done two backflips and I'll never do another one. Maybe unless you're there. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because just somebody that's that big and strong, but also right. knows what they're looking for, right? Exactly. Right, right. And the nicest like, guy I ever do. Yeah, bro. Remember, he'd reach and like grab my t-shirt. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Up, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I was like, <laughs> all right, I hit that bucket list item. I'm fucking yeah. Down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the girl? She was she was the only girl out on the on the floor training with you guys. I follow her. She's got Emily a plug. Hayden. Emily, Emily Hayden, bro. right? Me and she's Emily, great. She's great. Bro, me and, and to me, that was probably one of the biggest connections that I've made there. Yeah. Like me and Emily became really close. She's yeah. come out and, and stayed at my house and trained with me out here. Like her and my wife hit it off. It's it's again, it's cool to be yeah. able to kind of like build your network when you know you're in a place where everybody's good people, man. You know. Yeah. It's good to see that representation too from the female side because I think there's not a lot of that, and she's she's you know she's definitely a true patriot and not afraid yeah, to speak bro. up, and she's got a great podcast. Forgive me, I, I don't know the name of it. I don't remember. I've I've evolve, watched it a number. Evolve with Emily. Evolve with Emily. Yeah, yeah. Emily's great. Yeah, she was the only girl out there. I was even yeah. I was a little intimidated because it was a you know you guys are all fucking killers. I don't even train BJJ, but I was like I don't know maybe I'll get out there. And then I saw Emily. She, I was like she's she's doing better than I would be doing. So I just I just stood on the sidelines and watched you guys. <laughs> yeah, but bro, for like for this this small young beautiful woman to jump on the mats with that group. That's of what people, I'm saying. Yeah, you know got, that that yep. she has some grit and some resolve. That's why I respect and, uh, her. Where she came out here and stayed with us for a night or two. I did some rounds with her and she's a fucking super athlete. Bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it, and then I ended up going down and uh, I had stem cells shot in my knees about a year ago at a, at a clinic in Houston and the doctor that did, that does it, he's a black belt in jujitsu. So he uh -huh. understands jujitsu injuries and his, his practice is in Houston, Texas. And anyone that's interested, hit me up on Instagram. I'd love to connect you because he likes helping fighters and jujitsu guys because that's his world, you know, mm. but Emily lived right next to his practice. And I stayed with her for a couple days down there. And, uh, 
just went and did weird shit. Like let me, let me just listen. I don't want to step out of line, but your wife must really trust you because Emily ain't too bad to look at, <laughs> bro. She's bro. not too bad to look at, bro. Straight up. <laughs> if I man, said bro. to my girlfriend, "I'm going to stay with Emily for a couple days," there would be no girlfriend when I got back. <laughs> Dude, it's funny you say that because when I told my wife, I said, "Hey, Emily." Emily lives right next to the clinic and she told me that I have a guest bedroom and she goes, because she's come and stayed at our house and I got to hang out with her and I know her and I trust her. I'm cool with that. You know, wow, it kind of goes that's... back to what we're, it goes back to what we said at the beginning. Yep. Like if your woman doesn't trust you, like yep. you can fuck around and, and misbehave anywhere, you know? Right. right. But uh, yeah, no, Emily's good people, man. She took me. To uh, my, I was saying, uh, you know, give give people enough line, they'll hang themselves. She, your wife gave you a lot of line on that one. That was the whole fucking spool, <laughs> bro. And, and and here's the truth too. I walk into Emily's house, right, and we walk into her kitchen, and she goes, "Greg, just so we're 100 percent clear, because we're the only two in the house, and you're a man, and I'm a woman, and the energy that that men and women share is real." I'm just setting boundaries and expectations now. She goes, the only reason I invited you here is because I know you're safe. When I'm around you, I feel, I, I can tell you're a protector and I know you're safe. Yeah. But with that said, that's not what this weekend's about. And I was like, no, I've, I, I'm of the same mindset, you know? And again, I'm a fucking man and she's a super hot yeah. chick. Be yeah. serious. Right. She would have had to been dressed in an Eskimo suit when she was saying that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have heard a word she said. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I'm sorry. I was I was looking at something. I, I didn't hear you. Could you come again? <laughs> I see your lips moving, but I don't hear the words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I actually thought that was cool, man, for a chick. Oh, no, very cool. I'm joking, of course. Fucking, well, kind of, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of. <laughs> Uh, to just Again, set boundaries and guidelines is cool, man. <laughs> but like, we also share a really good energy. Like Emily yeah. and I'll be friends for the rest of our lives. Oh, for sure. So. And again, it just comes from putting yourself out there and meeting people and, and seeing what happens, you know? Yep. Yeah, that was a, that was a absolute, I think we were only there. Well, Frankie, three or four hours, but it was, yeah. it was, you know, such a, such a great crowd and, you know, just met so many great people, you know? Yeah, and your other um, homie that was with you, it's uh, Jesse Holt. Jesse, right? yep, yep. Oh, so Jesse, like savage, I, I'm probably wearing one of his shirts under this hoodie, but he has a uh, he's a he's a combat wounded vet. I'm sure he told yeah. you that, but his he kind of found his love in skydiving. Oh. Um, Jesse went down a couple dark paths in his life, and uh, you know his 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 holy grail, his saving grace, he found in skydiving. And now what he does is he will take anybody that served. You don't have to be combat wounded per se, but if you served. He will take you up as part of his charity, his nonprofit. He will take you up skydiving for free. Fight for That's flight. Cool. It's called fight for flight. He'll set you up. I got his shirts are the best shirts, are they not? Yeah. His exactly. designs and his logos and his the yeah. comfortability of his shirts are the best. I wear them all the time. But anyway, he will take you up. So definitely anybody listening to this, any any vets out there in the New Jersey, New York area, northeast area, I guess. If you want to go up, obviously not this time of year because you freeze your ass off. But uh, yeah. you know, come spring. Look up, uh, what is it, Jesse Holt Seven? I think at Jesse Holt Seven, and uh, shoot him a DM, and he's he's he'll he'll get it set up, and uh, he will take you up. That's rad. Yeah, man. However, good dude. I'm never fucking jumping out of an airplane again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with that shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I got like 35 jumps. Was in the army. Static and, line or? Um, yeah, most 
almost all of them were static line. And then I was actually getting my free fall cert and a deployment came up right before I got my, my full certification. So I never completed the course, but I was like, you know what? There's no part about jumping out of airplanes that I ever enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And so instead of pursuing that any further, I think I'm just, I've come to the conclusion I'm fucking done with that. You know? So Frankie's got an interesting story about that. He, he actually, I, I he must've done it like right before they changed the whole, I don't know if somebody must've died and they changed the whole setup. Cause now you can't, I think you need five jumps now and they have to be in pretty, pretty recent succession to do it. Cause I've, I think I've done three or four jumps and I was like, Oh, I'm almost to five. They're like, no, 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 no. It has to be within a certain month period. But this guy went, what, uh, when you were 18, I was, I was, I was 17. It was 98. I think I was 17. I used the fake ID to go. And if you take the class, you could jump by yourself. The guy that is, so essentially you're taking the first uh, certification to, to, to get licensed, I guess. And the guys jump with you, but they're not attached to you. Like I had, there's piping on the, on the suit. So they're holding on to the piping. So that I jumped by myself, 17 years old, man. I, I, I had the biggest balls. I would never do that now. Fake, ever. fake ID and all just to do it. Bro. Crazy. Fake ID. Yeah. It was, it was wild. It was wild. <laughs> and, and bro, the thing about jumping for me anyways, is jumping out of the airplane was never what like ruffled my feathers or gave me any type of anxiety. It's hitting the fucking ground, man. Dude. And like, I've had a lot of bad impacts to the point where it's like, okay, this, this has went kind of bad for me, but you can see how much worse that it can go mm. that it's like, yep, I'm fucking done, man. People don't realize you got to fly to fucking parachute too. <laughs> like you think <laughs> yeah, they yeah. think you just pull the chute and you just go. No, you got to fly that thing. <laughs> Otherwise you end up like, a, you don't know where you end up. Fuck man. Like uh, Andy Stump, who I've become friends with, he held like the world record for the wingsuit flying shit. He's incredible. Those guys are nuts. And uh, man, half of their fucking friends are dead. Yeah, yeah. man. That's just like, so, yeah. so nuts. It's dangerous as fuck, man. Exactly. So the like, mortality rate in that is like, I don't know. I don't want to say what it is and be wrong, but I know it's like insanely high. Yeah. yeah it's bound um, to happen. Yeah. And he had he had a guy named Jeb Corliss on his yes podcast. yes and, and he's Jeb, one of the, his like, his Jeb's uh, wingsuit partner died right in front of him. Remember he hit the bridge, Jeb went under it. Yeah, and he, he went over and hit the bridge, and it like ripped half his body off. He actually yep. lived. The chute opened, and he lived. He died. He bled out on the ground. But Jeb watched that whole thing happen, and then Jeb somewhere somewhere in England, uh, somewhere overseas in Europe, I think it was Jeb had a horrible, horrible accident where I remember the interview with him and he's probably one of the most experienced wing suit flyers. He's one of the first, but yeah. he, uh, he misjudged a rock. I think it was only like his, yeah. maybe his third judge jump and he hit it with his legs, which shattered his legs. I'm sure you know the story, yeah. but he said yeah. he literally had a split second. Like I'm in so much excruciating pain. I'm probably going to lose my legs. Everything shattered beyond belief. And this is all happening within seconds. But he said, it, you know, time slows down, obviously, when you know those situations. Do I do I just plummet into the ground and die and it's over and it's in- instantaneous because I might just lay on the ground and die anyway? Or do I pull this thing? And he, he, he said it all happened, you know, in his brain really slow, but split second. And he decided to pull and he lived and he completely recovered, actually which is rare from for an accident like that. And that's yeah. the thing. And it's like when we were younger doing reckless shit, it was just a, you didn't have families and responsibilities and kids and mm, shit. Right. So if you hit a side of a mountain and splattered, like, okay, just you. You know? yep. 
But at fucking 42 with the life that I have now, like, mm. there's no way I could do the, that kind of shit. No anymore. way. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I I've think that's right. I've been following this guy for, been following this guy's career for 20 years and been, you know, his, his biggest fan. Love what he does. You know, I've been, you know, ride or die Frankie fan since day one and never seen this guy. I never see him shook. Ever, never. I, I'm, I'm around him all the time when he's before fights. I'm always like, "How you feeling?" Ah, I'm fucking, you know, just gonna go in there and do what I do. Watch him in the ring. Eight hours of fighting in the fucking ring. Never see him shook. Never see him scared. Take him out on I-95 on a motorcycle. You'll see fucking fear like you've never seen in your life, bro. White knuckle, like fucking. Uh, it's crazy. Dude, I'm right there too, yeah, man. Jersey drivers, man. You can't trust them. No way. I, I, it scares the hell out of me. I got, I got rid of the bike. So, bro, I got a story on that. I was deployed to Ramadi in 04 and made a bunch of money because you're deployed and you can't spend your money and you come home with a chunk of change. And I went and bought a CBR 929. Right? Yeah. And uh, I'd never had a street bike Great before. Bike. And all my buddies are like, why don't you get a 600, dude? A, a 900 is too much bike for you. And I was like, dude, you could drive a Ferrari 20 miles an hour, right? Yep. Like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. Bro, I had that thing for 48 hours before I totaled it. Holy shit. And uh, luckily, I didn't get hurt. I just got thrown off the bike, and I was wearing Carhartts and just slid across the pavement. But it made me realize, like, oh, fuck, dude. That's exactly right. Your life can fucking come to an end in a blink of an eye on those motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. uh, It was funny, too, because my dad at the time was begging me. Because when he was young, he had a pretty bad motorcycle wreck. And he's like, bro, please, you don't need these, you know? And then, but you know how it is. You got to learn the lessons yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But the bikes are fun as fuck, man, but they're just so dangerous. Again, especially in Jersey, man, there's so many crazy drives, too many people on the road. If I was like middle of the country, maybe Texas, I'd get a bike, but not, not out here. We got, we're living kind of the old people retirement village of, you know, everybody from New York ends up in Jersey and they retire here. And we have all these, you know, old people, 55 plus communities, and they yeah. they don't see the best. So it is a little, he's, he's not wrong. Just fucking merge right into you. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. And yeah. bro, like when I lived in Los Angeles, dude, you got, you got gridlock traffic on the 405. And those crazy motherfuckers are splitting lanes. Oh uh, yeah. Sick. It's legal. It's legal to split yeah, lanes it's there. Legal. Yeah. It's legal. That's nuts, man. And it's like, all it takes is for someone to open their door and you're dude, dead. Yeah. Nope. You know? <laughs> Not, no, thank you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can uh, where can people uh, find you, follow you, shout out your podcast, shout out your Instagram, um, anything you have upcoming? I don't know if you have any speaking engagements. Obviously, people local to your area, shout out your gym and where people can can come yeah, find so you there. My Instagram is Granderson, G-R Anderson 33. And uh, that's that's my main social media platform. I don't do all the other ones. Like that's enough of a headache, you know. <laughs> I already waste I already waste too much time as it is. So that's the only social media I use. And then, uh, you know, the the podcast is the Endless Endeavor, and it's on everywhere that you can find podcasts. And it's it's been fucking great, man. It's a fun journey. I always say that's I would cool. do the podcast even if it got zero downloads. That's what we <laughs> say. And we get we get like three downloads. So. <laughs> Dude, it's just cool to, to interact and sit down and talk with people. And just no, this is great, man. Yeah. Shit. We, we, we met some amazing people to doing this, you know, and uh, 
if if if, if that's all we get out of it, it's 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 it's, it's worth everything. Fucking win, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Uh, my jujitsu academy is called Electric Jujitsu, and we are about an hour north of Seattle. And so the city we're in is called Lake Stevens. And man, I tell everybody like. Obviously, if you're local, I'd love for you to be a member of the team. But if you're passing through and you're a jiu-jitsu guy or a jiu-jitsu girl, man, come train. Come meet the team. I don't charge drop-ins for people that are just visiting from town, out of town, you know, because I think one of the most important things of jiu-jitsu is embracing the culture and realizing once you're in the jiu-jitsu culture, man, you have a network of friends literally worldwide. Mm-hmm. Like I went, I went again, that, that fucking trip you were talking about when I went to Iceland, Right. Dude, I went into Gunnar Nelson's academy. Yeah, I was just gonna know you were gonna say that. Yep. Yeah, I was treated like fucking royalty, man. Yeah, oh, and yeah, man. like ate lunch with the guys and stuff and had a that's good awesome. training session. And that's one of the most important aspects of jujitsu. And then the last thing is our guns and geese program, which again, it's it's a three-day immersion course teaching the fundamentals of shooting and grappling. And uh we've built the program to where you can show up in board shorts and flip-flops. We provide the gi, we provide the guns, we provide everything. And uh, that really allows people that maybe don't have the the ability to to have guns or, or no experience with guns or fighting to just show up and jump in, man. And what we're finding with that course is it's becoming less and less about shooting and fighting and more and more about like just personal development and becoming a better version of yourself. And we're super proud of that course. We're only March will be class seven. So it's pretty new and we run about five classes a year, but it's, uh, it's cool, man. For anyone that's interested in that stuff, I highly recommend it. Get you out of your comfort zone, but more importantly, it puts you with 30 other people that are trying to pursue something. And the energy is, is palpable, man. When you get a bunch of people together that are trying to better themselves, it's a lot different than what you see in most aspects of society. So that's amazing. Now, yeah. if someone wanted to or showed interest in or just wanted to check out or read more about it or whatever, where, where can they uh, find more about that class? Um, if, you go to, if you go to my Instagram link tree, yeah. we have a link right there. Okay. And it's, everything is through uh, my buddy's Jiu-Jitsu Academy. And that's where like registration and course outline and everything. But awesome. rather than giving you a long fucking www, just hit my link tree up and you'll see it right there. Guns and geese registration. Perfect. Cool. And and it bounces back and forth between New Orleans and Seattle because each of us have a jiu-jitsu academy and we have a firearm range. Awesome. And so a lot of people want us to take it on the road, but having the control of your own academy and your own range is really what makes the course feasible, you know? Yeah. No, Baron. I wish I was closer. I would definitely sign up for that. But Greg Anderson, it's been a pleasure to have you on, bro. You've been on my radar for a long time. Big fan. It was a pleasure to meet you in person at Ian Smith's gym. Um, keep doing what you're doing, bro. Keep fighting the, the good fight. And uh, you're doing the right thing over there. you got a lot bigger balls than most of us, including myself. So amen to you. My hat's off to you, man. And uh, I appreciate you. Yeah, Greg. Cool, glad, glad, glad we finally got this done. And uh, if you make it out to Jersey again, you got to get on a couch over here with us. So uh, there's a hundred percent chance I'll find myself out there and we'll fucking link up and do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely, man. Can't wait. We love it, brother. Cool, man. Appreciate it. It was an honor, bro. Thank you. you. Well, be in touch.